Hello, and welcome to the Instant Draft Night Live Reaction of the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. My name is Nick Zararis. I have two very special guests for tonight's show, two of my really good friends, two of my fellow football addicts, junkies, whatever word you want to put after football to describe people who are way too obsessed with football. The Draft Night is one of my favorite nights of the year, especially this first night. Tonight, very entertaining so far. Lots going on. We're starting recording. There's a few picks to go still in the first round. We wanted to get the episode recorded before way a little bit too late because, you know, people got work and shit like that. So before I get to the conversation with my really good friends, do have to remind everyone to help grow the show any way you can. Uh, video stuff coming, more videos, more content on Twitter, blogs coming on Gotham Sports Network. I got a lot of stuff to put out, lots and lots of things to say about everything going on. Definitely got to get some shots off at the Rangers for uh, stinking up the joint Thursday night. I was mostly focused on the draft, but out of the corner of my eye, I was watching the Rangers get embarrassed by the Islanders. Not what you want, especially in what's a big moment for the Rangers. They were supposed to, they, they say they're a playoff team, obviously they're not. Enough hockey talk, enough of me kvetching. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher getting sorted out, had an issue with the RSS feed on there. Google Play, Audio Boom. I think that's all of them. Yeah. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a written review, please. Go to the show's page. Go to the bottom. There are five clear stars. Hit the one furthest to the right. Then beneath that is a little button. It says write a review in purple lettering. Hit that. Be really nice. Leave a few words. Encouragement's nice. Gotta crank out more content. I know, I know, I know. All of that said, I will see you guys on the other side of the drop. And God, this draft was a lot of fun. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevor Lawrence, quarterback Clemson. with that as promised welcome on two of my really good friends two of my fellow football psycho fellow football psychopaths trevor chris how are we doing tonight gentlemen doing pretty good uh davy g had a good draft so far i'm very pleased doing well as well i'm uh these past two years for the Chargers have been pretty good compared to what i'm used to so <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. We're recording the 26th pick was just put in. The Browns took Greg Newsom. We wanted to get rolling before it got a little too late because, you know, people do have things to do tomorrow. So we're going to hit the ground running. We knew Jacksonville was going to take Trevor Lawrence. I think the real question is going to be, is Trevor Lawrence going to have a chance to succeed or not? Because that coaching staff does not inspire a ton of confidence and there isn't a ton of talent on the roster to begin with. So whichever one of you wants to jump in first, uh, how much of a chance are we giving Trevor Lawrence to be successful? Uh, well, until about five minutes ago, I was giving him a much bigger chance. <laughs> then they used their second pick on at the end when they have James Robinson. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like they have a lot of needs. That was not one of them. <laughs> yeah, that that seemed like a prime spot to add a wide out or I mean pretty much anything else. Like the roster's pretty <laughs> bad. If they just added like anything, I think it would have been a good move. 
barring a quarterback or a running back, and they added a running back. So I, yeah. I don't know. And there's there's still a decent bit of receivers on the board. I mean, yeah, Kadarius. What Tony's the only guy who went out of the top three, right? Yeah, there's so still there's there's still there's, there's, sh- there's still plenty. Yeah, there's still plenty of receivers on the board that could have taken that would have been an upgrade. Yeah, you could have gone Elijah Moore. You could have gone Rashad Bateman, Rondale Moore. There's plenty of receivers on the board. You could have reached a little bit on a tight end like a Pat Fryermuth. You could have taken an offensive lineman. I think Tevin Jenkins is still on the board. There's a number of pieces you could have gone with. Jacksonville, I think year one of Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer is probably going to be bumpy. Lawrence might put up okay passing yard stats because they're going to be losing so often. I don't have high expectations for them in year one. Moving on to number two. Zach Wilson, the Jets. We've kind of known this was going to be the pick for a while. Our Jet fan friends have talked themselves into Zach Wilson. I know I was an early adopter of the Zach Wilson hype. Um, I know both of you are a little bit more tenuous. I know when we were on Xbox earlier talking about it, Trevor, you said you thought Wilson was going to be successful. So I'll let you start here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that out of like our group of friends, I feel like all of our teams did well. I know we'll touch on them as the teams come up, but I, f- I feel like Wilson is in a significantly better spot to succeed than they ever put Darnold in. Absolutely. So off, off the rip, like, I feel like if he doesn't succeed, I think it will be fair criticism to say that it's on him. Yeah. Whereas with Darnold, it's like he was given nothing at all. So I'm rooting for him in Carolina, but I think Zach Wilson will will, will surprise those doubters. I'm very high on him. I thought he was one of the more entertaining players in college football. Yes, I know BYU did not play anyone. The one game they played against a decent opponent last year against Coastal Carolina, which was a good football game. Wilson did not play particularly well in. How about you, Chris? How do you feel about Zach Wilson ending up with the Jets after all the hype? I mean, yeah, I think I think – Trevor makes a good point. Like they don't, even if, like you said, he didn't play a lot of tough competition. And even if he's not up to par right away, he doesn't need to be like Darnold kind of had to do a lot for the jets to win. And that just became too much for him. But I mean, the offensive line is already significantly better than it ever was with Darnold. Yeah. They, they signed Corey Davis. Um, Jamison Crowder Crowder's pretty good, but obviously Darnold had him. Um, but yeah, they signed Corey Davis. I'm sure they're going to draft. I mean, they had to get the Denzel Mims last year. He's going to get better after missing a decent chunk of last season. And then I'm sure they're going to take somebody tomorrow, probably in the second for, for, for wide out, you know, they have a very early pick. Maybe they even trade up, you know, at the, at the back end of this, I like we were talking before, I doubt Baltimore uses both of these late first. So yeah. maybe, maybe the jets move up a few spots from their second pick uh, tomorrow and get up to Baltimore's pick and take a receiver, whoever's there. You know, I'm sure they're going to add there. And even, like I said, even if they don't, they didn't add another guy in offense, the offense is already better than it ever was with Sam Darnold. So, yeah, Wilson's I mean, got a good, he's got a good starting point. I mean, they traded up. We're going to get to Vera Tucker at 15, but you know, you have Vera Tucker and Becton on that line already. The Jets insist Connor McGovern is going to be better at center. I, in theory, that offensive line is already decent. I know we constantly make the joke about Chris Herndon finally having the breakout year, but on paper, that's a pretty decent offense. You're going to have Mike LaFleur calling your plays, running a, a take on what they ran in San Francisco, which should optimize what Wilson is good at, moving around in the pocket, using his off ability to throw off-platform, to throw sidearm, the three-quarter angle throws, and the tight windows because he has such good arm strength. 
this is a good landing spot. This is not Dar- Daryl Loggins calling plays. This is not a Schottenheimer calling plays for a Jets quarterback. I really want to give the Jets praise for taking this seriously and trying to learn from their mistakes, which I think is something the Jets didn't do for a lot of this decade, was just doing the same thing over and over again, taking the best player available, which was a defensive lineman, never giving their quarterback anything to really work with. And it's good to see. I'm very I'm happy for my Jet fan friends how their draft night went. Ooh, Bateman to Baltimore. I like that. I yeah. like that pick a lot. He is a special, special player. Uh, you got to be kind of badass to wear number zero as a wide receiver in college is what I'll say. If you're not familiar, Bateman, a little bit undersized, very good jump ball guy. I know that's weird to say as someone who's smaller, but he had a really good knack for winning jump balls against smaller corners. Moving right along, San Francisco okey-doked us. They got everybody looking one way. I don't know for what reason – I don't know who started it. I want to say it was Chris Sims who started the, yeah, San Francisco is going to take Mac Jones at three rumor mill, but they got us all. They gave up all those picks and they went up and got Trey Lance. And I'm happy they did because as a staunch Kyle Shanahan defender, I was concerned he was going to take Mac Jones three. So Chris, are you content like I was to see them make a smart decision? Yes, I I think I like just looking at it, it kind of made Lance made the most sense because right after the trade, he came out and said that like Garoppolo is going to be on the roster, like Garoppolo stole the quarterback of this team. And with Lance, it kind of makes sense. So it kind of it gives him a little bit of time. He doesn't have to be ready right away. He doesn't be ready week one to start for this team. They can let Garoppolo start the first, you know, handful of games, not risk, you know, putting the team in a really bad position to lose. And then, you know, whenever Trey Lance is ready, he's going to take over. I mean, obviously you want – he's the third pick in the draft. You gave up – you know, you moved up nine spots, gave up a ton of extra picks in the future to get him. So you want him to start sooner rather than later. But, you know, there's not an immense amount of pressure to start week one, to start day one um, on, on his shoulders. And you still have Garoppolo for that if he's not quite ready, you know, to, to start the season. So I, it just made – and then, of course, like you said, Shanahan is one of the smartest guys in football. So it, it, it makes sense all around you know, to, to take a guy who has the highest ceiling of almost anybody in this draft. Absolutely. Trevor. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that completely. I th- I thought Shanahan might galaxy brain it and take Jones. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> kind of why, like I thought that they were trading up to three, like, yeah, let me pose this question for you guys. I don't want to spend too much time on like certain picks, but I feel like all the hype around Lance started with Shanahan in the 49ers like two months ago. So like, do you think they could have stayed put and still had Lance? I mean, Fields didn't go till what, 12 or 13? Yeah, that's yeah, a very Fields good point. 11, yeah. He, that's they, a really good point. could have stayed put and had Lance. That's it's definitely point. possible. I did not think of that. That's a really good point. Did they give up too much based on what happened in front of them? I mean, realistically, so we'll take an extra second here. In front of Who in front of them was looking at a quarterback at the time? You figure maybe Carolina because they didn't have Sam Darnold yet and Denver because they didn't have Teddy Bridgewater yet. Yeah. Do you think that's what San Francisco was worried about, that Fields and um, Lance were going to go 8-9 and they wouldn't have a chance to get either of them? Yeah, or maybe one of those guys could have moved up. I mean, they they were in much better positions to move up to to three or four. So maybe they were worried about that. Yeah, those teams yeah. moving up. To be fair to San Francisco, also around the time they made the trade, there was also hype that Fields was going to Atlanta. Yeah, or Atlanta shut that down completely. But I just think 
I don't understand the mind game Shanahan then plays with the pro days. Yeah. Like, you you know Lawrence <laughs> and Wilson are locked at one and two. Yeah. Like you're getting your guy. You could just be like, yo, this is our guy. We're good. Do you think like, I, like, I, like I'm saying it in the sense that like I feel bad for Mac Jones. Like he just came yeah. out, he came out to Cleveland by himself to then sit there. Yeah. <laughs> like his whole family hanging out in their house. And this man's sitting by himself. <laughs> Uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention in that is I really do think we're seeing the just how crazy the media landscape is around the draft because we had four cycles of quarterback hype play out throughout the course of the season where at one point it was Fields was going to go second, then Wilson was going to go second. Okay, then who's the next quarterback off the board? And then Fields versus Lance became a very real debate. And Lance ended up going ahead of Fields, which – is a little bit crazy to me just in terms of what we know and what NFL teams want. I mean, traditionally speaking, you don't touch a guy who only has 17 career starts. I mean, Trey Lance only had 17 career starts. Mac Jones only had 16. Justin Fields had three years of starts at Ohio State playing in high-level games at a high level against good competition and being arguably the best player in the Big Ten his entire time there. And we've seen a dramatic shift now where teams – are more willing to take chances on guys if they like the traits and they feel like they can do something with that. That yeah, said, it was, it was 17 starts too at North Dakota state. Yeah. It wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't like he went into Georgia and dominated the sec and, yeah. you know, won a national championship. I mean, he was playing in North Dakota state, you know I mean? They obviously they, they produced Wentz too, but it wasn't like some big time school where he had a you know, small amount of starts. Yeah. Transitioning to Atlanta at four. We won't take long on this one. Pitts is probably the second or third best player in this draft. I just don't know if a tight end is ever worth a pick in the top five, let alone the top ten. I mean, you could go down the list, whether it's Ebron, whether it's Pettigrew, Hawkinson, um, Noah Fant, and Evan Ingram, who was a little bit later. But are there any? is there ever a time where a tight ends this high makes sense? If you want to go first, Trevor? Um. Um, I think with the game changing to be as pass heavy as it is, I think that we'll start seeing it more when we get these mm-hmm. like quote unquote tight ends, because yeah. like, uh, like pitch could line up on the outside. He's very much, he's very much like Kelsey. He reminds me more of Waller personally, but like all three of those guys, you could line up at wide receiver. It's just, you get a massive mismatch having them on a linebacker most of the time. Yeah. Well, with that being said, though, like, where where was the hype with Pitts? It was with Atlanta. It was Miami a little, a little better, bit. But not really with Miami and with New England. Yeah. Like, they – I don't know if they needed to take him at four. They could have moved down. I think, I think on the top of Miami's board was always going to be a receiver, whether it was yeah. Chase, Waddle, Smith. I think they were always taking receiver. So, wow, did that New Orleans big reach? I yeah. I faintly remember seeing that guy's name in like the second or third round. Interesting pick, Peyton Turner. The Saints are always weird with the people they pick. They're one of those teams that's inclined to go a little bit off the board. We'll get to them shortly, but just wrapping up on the Pitts <laughs> discussion, Chris. Anything else you want to get in just about where tight ends are in the pecking order in terms of value? I mean, they they're definitely we definitely see tight ends more effective and and useful in offenses today but 
I don't know. I, I if if I was running Atlanta, I probably would have selected like you know a, a lineman or if they if the smartest thing would have been to trade down. But I think at that point there might not have been many suitors wanting to yeah. trade up because you know like I said the the like you said before the two biggest teams wanted to trade that would have wanted to trade up Carolina and Denver already got quarterbacks so really probably didn't have a ton of suitors Atlanta and then uh and yeah so maybe maybe a lineman maybe a defender probably would have been smarter but um at the very least they got like you said made probably the second best player in the entire draft so at the end yeah. of the day you can't really complain about that um actually, sorry but no go ahead uh, what Christian said, it made me think about it. And it's like, with with Pitts going to Atlanta, Pitts, Pitts is probably, he could actually end up being the best player in the draft. Yeah. Like, no question about that. Yeah. Where Where is Atlanta planning to fit him in? Yeah. Like, they have a really good offense. Yeah. Like, they have Jones. They have Ridley. Like, Hurst so was fine. Yeah, he's already their third at best their third option yeah like i don't know if that warrants a fourth pick if it was a team that didn't have like two like top notch wideouts, then i could maybe understand it more definitely a little bit confusing to say the least cincinnati's interesting i i talked about this a bit on the episode i put out this morning for the show that went up on thursday this is a really interesting microcosm of the do you build from the outside in or inside out the Bengals chose to go outside in they went with Chase who most people had as the second best player on their board in terms of pure talent behind Lawrence we saw what he did two years ago on that crazy LSU team where Burrow threw 60 touchdowns I think Jamar Chase had 18 of them an absolutely dominant outside receiver we saw what Justin Jefferson did last year in the league as a rookie Chase is going to be good in the NFL. It's just a matter of, did this make sense based on what Cincinnati struggles were last year? I mean, we've talked about it a little bit off before we got on, was Cincinnati's an unconventional team. They have been liable to take the shiny toy in the draft because their owner and general manager are the same person. They don't have as robust a scouting and personnel department as other teams, but... I really just wonder why you couldn't take the easy thing, take Sewell and slide Jonah Williams, who you really like, but you took two years ago over to right tackle, and you give your quarterback a chance if you want to go first, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same situation to Atlanta right before yeah. them where, you know, if they if they were a team completely devoid of talent and you want to give Joe Burrow somebody to throw the ball to, all right, fine. But they have they have Tyler Boyd, who's pretty damn good. They had T against they drafted in the second round last year, who's pretty damn good also. Um, they they didn't have a huge need for wideout. I mean, obviously, Jamar Chase is great, like you said, but Joe Burrow missed, you know, more than half the season last year because he tore his ACL because the offensive line was pitiful. It was just awful for them. So you have a guy in Penny Sewell who was there for them at five, just sitting there. Probably would have made most sense to take him. Um I mean, yeah, like, yeah, like you said, Chase is gonna—he's gonna be great. You know, I'm sure Burrow's gonna love throwing him. I think Burrow was part of the reason they took him. I, I there were reports that he was kind of pushing, pushing the Bengals toward you know the direction of Chase. So I guess if he wants them, fine. But it, team building probably would have been smarter to, to draft Sewell and protect your 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 first round, your first overall quarterback that you took last year, especially after he got injured because he wasn't getting protected well enough. 
I mean, I vividly remember, I forget if it was Monday night football or Thursday night football, but the Browns-Bengals game where Burrow was literally running for his life the entire game because he had no pocket to step up in and Miles Garrett was just eating their backup left tackle alive. And I know they like Jonah Williams, but he's gotten hurt two years in a row. If you graft a guy in the... Ooh, Eric Stokes. I like that pick. He is fast. That's actually... You put him and Jair Alexander in the same defense. Those are two really fast corners. I like that pick a lot. I just okay. saw that pop up, and I'm thinking, man, they really do not give a crap about helping Rod. <laughs> they just don't care. Nah, bro. They, like, they got short. And they're like, at least they drafted the starter. <laughs> yeah. They didn't they yeah. did draft two the backup like they did last year with their first two picks. At least this guy's yeah. got to start for him. Yeah. <laughs> but circling back around, just one last thought on Chase. I obviously like the pick. I'm very high on Jamar Chase. Like I said, I think he's the second best player in this draft behind Lawrence. And if you want to say Pitts is better, that's fine. But I think Chase is. Trevor, I know you think about these things in terms of fantasy and in terms of gambling and in terms of Madden. But from a football sense, do you think this makes sense for them? From a football sense, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like Chris said, like they, they have good wideouts. Like, Joe Mixon isn't bad. I mean, fantasy and gambling-wise, Joe Mixon is a headache. But, like, <laughs> he's a good running back. And, like, your quarterback just tore his ACL. Like, yep. it doesn't make sense from that standpoint. But then, like, it kind of circles back around to the Rodgers thing. It's like, I feel like teams now, just as in a general in sports, with players getting the power they're getting, are like, how do we keep our franchise guy happy? And like Chris mentioned, Burrow was like, I want Chase. So, like, I don't think – like, Chase is, like you said, second best player, maybe at worst top four in this draft. Yeah. And it's like, if my star player wants him, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. If, if Burrow goes out this year and gets hurt because the O-line doesn't protect him, it's like, how do you then justify that to yourself? Definitely. When you have this freak of a talent sitting there in your lap. Speaking of freak talent falling into your lap, we know the Lions were very excited because we were all talking about it in our Xbox party. Uh, how come the Lions look so excited? Who do we think they just took? Like, Dan Campbell was running around the room giving people hugs. Their general manager was really, they were, the Lions were fired up that Sewell fell to them at eight, excuse me, seven. And I can't believe. It happened. Uh, I know I skipped over the Dolphins pick, but Jalen Waddle we'll talk about in a sec. But you mentioned before about Sewell falling in relation to the Bengals. I think the Lions might have gotten like one of the best values in the entire draft in Sewell falling to them because they're a blank slate. They have one of the least talented rosters in the entire league. They know they're facing an uphill battle. They know they're going to need to take a young quarterback in the next year or two. What better way to welcome that new guy into the league by giving him a brick wall at left tackle? Yeah, linemen have a pretty long shelf life too. So yeah. at like the very beginning of a rebuild, like they are, it it like if he turns out to be the guy, he'll be there for he could be there for 10, 15 years. Yeah. So yeah. he he can he can span a full rebuild and then you know, by the time he hits his prime, he'll be ready to compete when hopefully the rest of the team is ready to compete. 
Exactly, exactly. I, I've always been, you and I have talked about this more than once, Chris. We're Just take offensive linemen. You can never have enough of them. It's the easiest way to ensure your team is at least respectable, where even if your quarterback is average, if you give him a good to above average offensive line, you can coax good production out of them. It, it really does have, help. They have the highest hit rate on first-round players yeah. too, right? Isn't it offensive yeah. linemen are like the highest success rate? Yeah. Or like the lowest bust rate? Yeah, so I mean, it, it seems like the, the most – foolproof way or the the easiest solution trevor yeah i don't i don't think that their first second third board had him falling to them at seven yeah i think like like there was there was like actual talk that he was gonna go like for yeah what felt like a long time and then every and then the hype around Wilson built up, around Fields built up, and everybody was like, "Okay, the Jets are going to go quarterback. They're going to move on from Darnold." And then I feel like everybody penciled it in. It's like there's no way Cincinnati doesn't take this guy. Yep, no way. And then Miami, whose offensive line isn't like terrible, but it's also not the best. Also, don't pick him. Detroit, yeah. like probably still jumping around in joy like oh my god look who we got yeah yeah so we mentioned my you mentioned miami right there we talked about in relation to that waddle i like waddle i think he's probably the fastest in a straight line of all of these wide receivers he's got the elusiveness he's I've seen a lot of NFL media compare him to Tyree Kill. I don't think that's a fair comparison. Tyree Kill's definitely a faster player. I thought Waddle was extremely impressive two years ago at Miami. He was impressive in the first four games this season before he suffered that broken leg in the Tennessee game. I imagined at least to start before he really ingratiates himself, he'll probably have a role on special teams as a kick returner because he was really good at that at Alabama as well. And I really do wonder... If I think this is a good example of what we were talking about earlier with the Jets. I think Miami is doing a really good job of making sure Tua either sinks or swims of his own accord. Not that there isn't enough talent around him. So, Trevor, if you want to jump in. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement 100%. Like, Miami is very good everywhere. All, yeah. the, way, all the way up to their coaches and GM. Like, they have turned yeah. this team around in a three-year span. Like, we thought this team was going to go 0-16, and they have actually been good. Yeah. Like, they went 10-6 and last year. Yeah. This team is – like, I think that they are very much here to stay and that it's completely on Tua. I, I know I mentioned it earlier, and I'm like, I feel like they have a lot of wideouts that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like at the same time is that if they all do the same thing really well, it's like you can't really complain too much. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. There was some conjecture about who this pick was going to be. I know some people thought maybe it's Devontae Smith, if Pitts is there. or But 
I think a lot of people felt this was going to be a skill position pick, and Miami's close. I think coming into the year, Buffalo is going to be the favorite to win the AFC East, but I think Miami will probably come in with the second-best odds from a futures perspective. And I think I trust Brian Flores a lot. I think he's a pretty good coach, and I know their offense left a little bit to be desired last year. They didn't have Tua push the ball down the field a ton, but you got to remember that was Tua's first game action since having the really bad broken hip, and you got to figure it's going to take him a little while to get into a groove. But assuming we have normal training camp, normal preseason this year, there's not going to be a ton of excuses for Tua if he doesn't play well. Moving along here, we're going to jump to Carolina. J.C. Horn, straightforward. They took probably the best player remaining on the board, fills a need. Their pass defense was pretty bad last year. We thought maybe they go offensive tackle to help Sam Darnold out a little bit, but they go corner. Carolina used all seven of its draft picks last year on defense. Not a ton of production from the guys they did draft last year. Derek Brown was fine. Uter Grossmatos was pretty meh. He didn't really play a lot until down the stretch. Jeremy Chin was awesome. I can't knock that pick, the safety. He was the runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year, for uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, for, uh, winner. I forget off the top of my head, but it makes sense. They needed a corner. They didn't want to take fields because they made the trade for Sam Darnold. I get it. It's not the flashiest pick, but... J.C. Horn's going to start day one, and he should be a pretty good corner right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a pretty smart pick. Um, the The offense, for the most part, is in a pretty good spot. Like you said, they got their quarterback in Darnold. They have Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. Like, they got a bunch of weapons. Um, you know, they could use a tight end, but nobody – you're not taking a tight end at eight, you know, as after Pitts went at four. Maybe they could have taken Rashawn Slater. I think that's the only other thing that would have been – Maybe it may be a better pick. You can argue it was a better pick, but outside of Slater, I think, I think the Horns probably probably really good pick because even though, like you said, they spent every single pick in their draft last year on defense, the defense was still very bad. So um, just keep throwing stuff at the wall. Something's gonna stick. You know, you get a top ten pick, spend it on a defender. You you hope they're gonna be good. And so, I I think it's a fine pick. Yeah, I'm. I mean, we've talked about it before, Nick, and I'm like, I'm. Full team Carolina. Like, yeah, I think they did good last year. I mean, like you mentioned, three of their how many picks did they have? They have eight, nine total. Uh, I think eight last year. Yeah. So three of the eight are really good already. You hope maybe two of the remaining five end up being good. And then you hope that you get the value of the eighth pick here yeah like if, if he's half as good as everybody's talks about then they're in a good spot and like like kind of like we just mentioned about how he didn't have the pieces to succeed in new york with the jets i feel like the offense in carolina is really good you yeah. have one of the like most unbelievable talents in Christian McCaffrey. DJ Moore is no joke of a receiver. And it's like, I feel like they could make it work in a division that's kind of falling off. Like a division that we used to think was one of the best, if not the best in football is now kind of like, who are the saints using that quarterback this year? Are we getting a mix? 
what's is Matt Ryan Matt Ryan what's Atlanta doing like I feel like they can make a push for it and I feel like if they feel like if they get more lockdown defenders that that's what will propel them okay yeah, that's very they, fair I think they feel like they have the offense figured out and especially I mean I think the biggest upgrade for Darnold might not even be any of the players it's probably going from Adam Gase calling plays to Joe Brady and Matt Rule who are like right there and young offensive minds who are like really on top of stuff in football so you know outside of everything else they probably feel like we can we can work with the offense we have but we're not 100% certain about the defense so let's just keep throwing stuff at the wall on defense and like exactly. hopefully hopefully something sticks. I think they, they probably feel confident enough as a coaching staff that they can work with the offensive pieces they have, which is fair because they have good pieces. Definitely agreed there. Moving right along, we go to Denver, Patrick Sertan. We know our Denver Broncos fan friend Darren did not like the pick a ton. He wanted them to take fields there. It seems like they're going to give Bridgewater an honest look at being their starter. Like we just said about Carolina, that's already a decent team. I think Denver was in a lot of their games last year, and the offense was the issue. I know they had the injury bug really sting them at the wide receiver position. Didn't get a ton of production right away from Jerry Judy, who they drafted pretty highly last year. The defense was decent. It's always going to be relatively decent. Vic Fangio is a good defensive coach. He's going to start right away. They need corners. Sertan was probably the most polished corner coming into this draft. I liked him a little bit higher than Horn, but that was just a personal preference. This is a guy who started at Alabama as an 18-year-old freshman. He's going to be good in the NFL right away. Denver already has a decent pass rush. It'll make his life a little bit easier as a corner. Again, like we just said about uh, J.C. Horn, you draft a corner and this high, you expect them to start right away and to be decent right away. You expect them to be able to hold their own and not be a liability. And in that division, you're going to need good corners because you're going to see Mahomes twice, you're going to see Derek Carr twice, and you're going to see Justin Herbert twice. Yeah, I mean, exactly what you just said. Darren and I mentioned it in a group chat all the time, and it's like the AFC West is always a top two division in football. Yeah. And it's, it's just getting better. And yeah. if we're being honest, like, even as a Chargers fan, I'm like, the Chargers don't run the ball. Like, we're not going <laughs> to death. The Chiefs, obviously, are not running you to death. And I feel like, like, with trying to have an unbiased opinion, I feel like one, two in the AFC West is the Chiefs and then the Chargers. Yeah. And then the Raiders, on the flip side, I think can be really good. And they do run you to death. But it's like, if you're the Broncos – you have to figure we got lit up like in the secondary. Like we need to improve it, especially like you said, we face Mahomes twice a year. We face Herbert twice a year. Like these guys are not going to be limited by their running backs. Their coaches are going to let them fling the ball. So it's like, it's like, like we were telling him in the group chat, like if this guy is, day one going to play and probably yeah. be pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, the way I look at in division picks is that if I'm like, damn it, why was that guy there for them? Yeah. And I'm like, probably a good pick for them. <laughs> if I'm like upset or annoyed that someone in my division got somebody that I'm like, damn, they made a good pick. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, that's how I kind of felt we're about to get into the the Giants division with the picks coming up here. But 
I I think Sertan definitely fills a need. We saw them have a really hard time at the cornerback position last year where they were starting backups. They were starting guys who were seventh-round picks, undrafted free agents, people people who shouldn't be starting at number one and number one, two corner in the NFL. I mean, I remember last year on more than one occasion betting wide receivers who they were playing that particular week on prop bets for receiving yard totals because I knew they were going to have opportunities because when you're starting undrafted free agents at number one corner against professional wide receivers, they're going to get cooked. I mean, I remember more than once. I vividly remember taking the max bet for a prop on Deshaun Watson passing yards against them because it was the Texans offense who was throwing the ball more than anyone in the league last year against a team with no corners. And when that's the situation, you're going to end up, in the kinds of games Denver was where sure you can hang around in a lot of games, but if a, you need a stop, you can't count on your team getting it. It's hard to win. It really is hard to win at this level. Now we did not expect to see the Cowboys and Eagles making a trade with each other. It's very rare to see in division trades in the NFL, especially amongst teams that, you know, the, the, Cowboys-Eagles rivalry is kind of nasty. Those those teams really just genuinely don't like each other, even now in an era where the NFL is kind of, I'll say, a little bit more friendly, where everyone is kind of a little bit more on the same level. I was shocked to see Dallas and the Eagles make a trade, but the Eagles knew the Giants were going to take Devontae Smith if he was there. They, they knew it. I, I just... There's no other way to say it. They knew that was going to be the Giants pick, and they got one over on the Giants. We'll be honest. They got one over on them. If you want to go first, Chris, because we're on Giants discussion. Yeah, I, I think it. you can even – I mean, we'll, we'll get to the Giants pick a little later, but considering who the Giants ended up taking later, you pretty much knew they were taking Smith at 11 if he was there. And they probably assumed he was going to be there because why would Dallas take Devontae Smith? There was no shot Dallas was going to take Devontae Smith. They probably didn't think Dallas was going to trade with Philly to let Philly get Devontae Smith. So, I don't know. I mean, may, maybe Dallas just figured that him going to Philly was better than him going to the Giants. I don't really know. <laughs> it, it is a really good pickup for Philly. I, 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 was, I would have been very happy if the Giants got him in 11. Um, he, he's a very good receiver. They obviously whiffed big time on their pick la- on their, their wide receiver pick last year. Now I'm sure Jalen Rager can still be good. He's only one year in the league and we're not, we're not going to write him off yet, but the fact that they took him instead of taking Justin Jefferson, that's always going to be talked about like Trubisky over Watson and, and, and Mahomes, you know, maybe not to the exact level, but you know, Justin Jefferson looked like a superstar last year and Jalen Rager really didn't do anything. So they, they wanted to get their guy. I think Devontae Smith is going to be great. Obviously, a Heisman winner last year. I'm, I'm not personally not worried about his size. Um, yeah. And they they, they desperate. I mean, they needed a lot of things, but wide receiver was definitely a big need. If they're trying to help out Jalen Hurts, good move to go get a one, one of the better route runners in this, uh, in this draft. So I think it, that's a very good pickup for Philly. But in terms of just how this helps the Eagles right away, I mean, you're giving Jalen Hurts a, a real target now because we've seen for about two years now the Eagles have no offensive weapons to speak of. I, I mean, I like Miles Sanders. Zach Ertz was a good tight end for a while. Dallas Goddard was pretty good. But their hopes and dreams were on the shoulders of Travis Fulgham last year. It wasn't exactly a murderer's row of targets. Yeah. Just real quick on where you feel like the Eagles are. They're probably the worst team in the NFC East, right? You can definitely make that argument, I think. Um, yeah. Assuming Dallas stays healthy, they're going to be damn good. 
Washington had, probably has the best team. Just they don't really have the quarterback figured out yet. And the Giants, they added that they had a very good offseason so far. So I think you can easily make the case Philly's the worst team in this division right now. Trevor, I know how much you love the Eagles. Uh-huh. I, I mean, <laughs> you guys, I've been making the argument with the Eagles have been the worst team in that FC for a while. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I will. I will give them credit where credit is due. They got rid of Wentz. <laughs> I've been saying it since he was drafted, and they finally did it. So, obviously, it's only up from here. That's fair. That's very, very fair. Now, we get to the Giants, and maybe the biggest move of the night. Dave Gettleman trades back for the first time in his career, and he grants the dreams of millions of people in the city of Chicago to finally get a real quarterback. I know I, I while we were in the party and earlier while we were recording the first part of this, uh, I was texting with a few of my Bears fan friends, and they were all ecstatic that they have a quarterback they actually believe in now. Not a Mitch Trubisky, not a stopgap in a Nick Foles or an Andy Dalton. They're all very excited they got Justin Fields. I think... I think Fields probably has one of the higher floors of all the quarterbacks in this draft class just because of his running ability. In all honesty, if you want to scheme an offense around his running ability and do a lot of play-action stuff and keep him on the move, I feel like at the very least he's going to be an average NFL quarterback just on his athleticism alone. He's got a good situation, too. I mean, Al Robinson's one of the best receivers in football. Just never has anybody to throw him the ball. Um, they, they, they have a couple of other decent receivers that you just don't, we didn't get to see them play well because of Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles <laughs> throwing in the football. And then the, the defense is the defense, you know, they have, yeah. they have a lot of talent, Akeem Hicks, they have Khalil Mack, they have some good linebackers, they have a good secondary. It, it's, a, it's a good team. It's a good situation to be in. They made the playoffs last year. So they're, they're in a good spot. They got a quarterback and- now. I think it's, they, they, they're doing pretty good. And they didn't give up a ton to get up there either. They gave up one, yeah, but they saw Fields was falling, and they knew they needed a quarterback, and Ryan Pace said, well, this is probably my job, so I need to go make sure we don't come into the season with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. Yeah. I mean, I'm like – I really – you. I feel like it's usually the opposite of this, mm-hmm. but, like, there was no recency bias with Fields at all. Yeah. Like, we just – we the last time we saw him, he had one of the greatest college football games ever against yeah. a really good team. Yeah, against Clemson, yeah. And then he just fell. Like, every we were talking about him as number two, and then he's sitting there all the way down here for the Bears to climb up and actually get him. Yeah. And, like, like you guys said, props to them. Like they they did it. They have wasted money in Dalton now, but yes. like I feel like that's worth it to get Fields to a really good team where Nagy finally figured it out the second half of last season. Like we we talked about it going into the playoffs, Nick, and it's like yeah, he finally figured out that Montgomery is a workhorse. Yeah, and they started winning games because of it. Yeah, like. I know a lot of the analysts and like throughout the draft were talking about how he doesn't have to start day one because of Dalton. And I'm like, I don't think that starting him day one would be a bad thing. Cause like it is a good team. Like yeah. you're not throwing him to the wolves. Like it's a good team and they can run heavy and rely on their defense in a division yeah. that might not have Aaron Rodgers. So 
I yeah. don't think I don't think starting him week one would be a terrible thing. I mean, realistically, this was a team that's a quarter been a quarterback away for a few near, years now. We feel like if they had someone who was even a little bit better, like even if you just swapped Kirk Cousins with Mitch Trubisky, I feel like the Bears ceiling was higher. I feel like the Bears would have gone from a fringe playoff team to NFC contender, a team that really could have maybe made an NFC title game or two, but they just never had the quarterback to put up the points. Rest in peace to the Nickelodeon valuable player, Mitch Trubisky. Moving on to the Dallas Cowboys. We knew the pick was going to be defense. This was a team that was entirely reliant on its offense to score enough points to win. That defense was horrendous last year. Leighton Vander Esch, the linebacker, neck injuries a lot of last year. Jalen Smith, the inside linebacker who had played well two years ago, not particularly good last year. They drafted the corner last year out of Alabama. Trayvon Diggs did not have a particularly great season, didn't get to play a ton. No safeties worth mentioning. Their lone pass rusher of note, Demarcus Lawrence, really expensive, didn't give them a ton of production. They had the one year of Alden Smith. He was in the games for them, but didn't do a whole lot. We knew it was going to be defense. This is just a matter of does a Mike linebacker really matter enough to take at their uh, 12 anymore? Because for all of the flash of Mika Parsons two years ago and then three years ago, at the end of the day, he's still an inside linebacker. You know, even if you send him on blitzes, you use him the way Tampa Bay used uh, Devin White. I, I just don't know if this is going to help that Cowboys defense be any better, really. Yeah, I mean, they, they got really screwed, I think, by by Horn and Certain going eight and nine. I think they probably assumed that there was a really good shot that one of those two guys is available for them at 10. And if one of those guys is available for it, whichever one it was at 10, they were going to take that guy. And then, you know, they take him. And then maybe the Giants stay at, at 11 and they take Devontae Smith. So it's a whole butterfly butterfly effect there um, than not being able to get one of these top two corners. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the linebacker position is, yeah, Jalen Smith wasn't that great last year and Randerish has some injury concerns. But, I mean, they they needed an edge guy more. And they needed a corner more. But I, I guess, you know, at that point, there wasn't anybody they were comfortable taking out of any of those positions. So why not go out and get maybe the best defender in, in the draft and make Mika Parsons. So not the worst pick anything on this defense would have been an upgrade, but certainly not the most pressing need. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a team that's going to roll out on opening day next year with Mika Parsons, Vander Esch and Jalen Smith as your three linebackers. And while that's flashy and like a good thing to have, Tampa Bay was good with their linebackers last year. Cause they were able to get pressure off the edge with Barrett and Jason Pierre Paul. I mean, None of these guys is a pass rusher. While I do think Parsons has upside as a pass rusher, he did it pretty well at Penn State. Uh, getting a pass rush with a middle linebacker is not the easiest thing in the world to scheme up. It's very difficult to make happen. All right, I'm trying to get Trevor back in here real quick. I just sent him another invite. We'll start talking about the next pick and keep it moving. So, because I know okay. you do have to get up and it is getting late. So, we'll try and keep it moving best we can. Of course, because Trevor's not here, the Chargers are the pick we have to talk about. Uh, come <laughs> on. Get in here. Uh, I know, the worst timing for that. <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on. Oh, God. <laughs> he said his cat unplugged the router. 
This guy Trevor and his fucking cats, bro. Always fucking up his technology. <laughs> oh, there he is. Beautiful. Hello, sir. Hello. Oh, my there God. There you go. I was, <laughs> and then I look over to my left, and I'm like, are you kidding me, Nova? And, of course, right on time when you cut out was about when it was time to talk about the Chargers, so we just had to sit here for a minute and a half. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, that's, just, that's just the way shit goes. All right, so I'll take, all right, so I'll take a beat so it's easier to find when I'm editing. Next up, we have Trevor's Chargers. Trevor's Chargers made him happy for once. They, they did not frustrate him by taking someone like the Jerry, like Jerry Tillery, the pass rusher from Notre Dame, who I don't oh, think has ever actually made a tackle for the Chargers in the three years he's been on the team. So I know you were actively hoping they would take an offensive tackle. They ended up with the one the experts pegged as the second best in this draft class. We won't dawdle on this for long, but I know you're pretty content. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely happy. I mean – when when since he passed on Sewell, I was like, I was in the Xbox party. I'm telling you guys, I'm like, the Chargers should be making calls. Like they should be trying yeah. to get up here. But I'm like, uh, I'm not upset with Slater by any means. I would have been happy with Slater. I would have been happy with Tucker. Like, I feel like our team is very well rounded, mm-hmm. and we need to improve the offensive line. Like, yeah, getting Slater at our original pick is no like it's certainly no jerry tillery so <laughs> yeah chris but, i know you and i were both hoping yeah. the giants would end up with an offensive tackle i even though we didn't end up with one i'm happy one of our friends did because he needed it while herbert was very good last year under pressure one of the higher passer ratings is a quarterback under pressure imagine what he could do if he actually had some time in the pocket instead of having to run for his life it'll be nice to see him in year two get a little bit better of a supporting cast and have a head coach with a little bit more common sense yeah, they they're in a very very good position. They have one of the best rosters in you know all in around league. in the league. Yeah. yeah, so it's really just staying healthy for them. And and so they they're probably very shocked that Slater fell this far too because there were a number of teams ahead of them that could have taken him. I mean, the Eagles could have taken him, the Cowboys could have taken him, the Giants could have taken him. You know, Carolina could have taken him. There were a lot of teams that could have went Rashawn Slater ahead of LA, and he fell to them at thirteen. So. They stayed put. They got their guy. I think it's very, very good job for them. Yeah, can't complain. But that's that's truly a sign you did well on draft night. Is if your fans really can't complain because you got a good player and the logic made sense. Speaking of making sense, I was a little bit su- surprised to see the Jets jump up here to try and get another offensive lineman. But I think Joe Douglas had this in mind because he saw some of the teams ahead of them namely the Raiders and Arizona, who could have been in the market for Elijah Vera Tucker. They're feeling a need that they, like we said when we talked about the Wilson pick, so we won't take that long on this one, they got to give Zach Wilson a chance to succeed. How do you do that? You give him a good pocket to stand in. You can put Vera Tucker on either side, whether he's going to play left or right guard. If you want to put him opposite Becton, same side as Becton, you're making Wilson's life easier. That's the goal. I think Joe Douglas has has got the Jets going in the right direction. Yeah, this is, this is, I think, a very smart move. I mean, they might have even been jumping New England, too, because New England, of yeah. course, lost Joe Tooney in free agency, one of their, you know, their best offensive linemen. So that's probably in discussion for New England at 15. Joe Douglas, 
hell bent on fixing this offensive line. I mean, he signed five guys in free agency last year to the offensive line and then drafted Becton for in the first round with 11th overall last year. So very clearly wants to fix the O-line. Did a pretty good job. McGovern was okay. Becton was was a, a home run pick. George Fant, you know, was good enough at right tackle. Um, and so now they, now they add Vera Tucker into that. And they really didn't have to pay too much to move up. I mean, yeah. obviously they gave up 23 which makes sense. And then I think they, what they swapped, uh, they, they gave up a third and got a fourth back. So yep. move down around to move up nine spots to get, to get, you know, probably the best guard in the draft. I think that's very good business for the jets. And it's the Zach Wilson's going to have everything he needs to succeed. Definitely. Definitely. Trevor, we just talked about how good offensive linemen are for the chargers. So we're all in agreement. Yeah. Offensive linemen help and maybe general managers should value them a little bit more. Oh, Absolutely. When yeah. your quarterback's running for your life, uh, there's there's only one quarterback really that can do it, and that's Mahomes. Maybe yeah. maybe Wilson, but <laughs> yeah. Other yeah. than that, you're you should probably protect a quarterback. Yeah, and it's even, really that simple. Even those teams are actively trying to protect them, so it's like, yeah, hey, maybe uh, this is a game plan that uh, might win games. Yeah. New England. We thought they were maybe going to be interested in trading up to try and get Justin Fields. Obviously, the Bears met the asking price. I don't know if New England called the Giants. I would assume they did. They wanted Fields. I I think it's pretty obvious they were looking at Fields. He didn't get to them. They ended up with the run to the litter in Mac Jones. I I don't want to dawdle on this one for too long because pretty much everything that was negative to be said about Mac Jones was said during the evaluation process when we were wondering what the hell the 49ers were doing. Big picture-wise, we think it's Cam all year this year? Yeah. Or do you think Mac actually gets in here? I think that, like, while I know Cam is probably not the long-term solution for New England, I don't think drafting Mac Jones here is any help because first, like my main reason behind that is that they're two completely different offenses that you're going to run. Yes. Like you can't, you can't, if you start Cam Newton, you can't just plug in Mac Jones and vice versa because they're, they're quite literally opposite quarterbacks. Yep. So like if, if Cam is playing bad or they're like, oh, let's run with Jones and Jones is playing bad, it's not like an easy, like, oh, we'll plug him in an offense. will be fine. It's, it's certainly not going to be a, oh, Tyrod Taylor got <laughs> punctured lung by a medical doctor. Now you got to play today against the Chiefs. And then Justin Herbert comes out and is a beast. It's like Mac Jones would then be running, like, basically power options. And he's he's quite literally, like, Tom Brady when it comes to mobility. Yep. The Giants ran a power oh. option with Colt McCoy last year. So yeah, never that, that also didn't work. That did not work. <laughs> it's one thing to run it. It's another thing to run it successfully. Mm-hmm. Chris, I know you and I were both pretty skeptical of Mac Jones during this entire process. Do you think this is Bill taking one last crack at it? And if this doesn't work out, he's kind of looking towards an exit strategy towards the next stage in his career, whether he goes to like the front office full time, something in that ballpark, or do you think that he really thinks that they can make this work with Mac Jones? I'm, I'm sure he believes they can make it work, but I, I think it is probably a little bit of wishful thinking. And like, like Trevor said, the offense is a completely different when it's cam and, and Mac Jones. And it's not even like, you can use the Tom Brady offense with Matt Jones because they're similar-ish players. Just, I mean, not that he's close to Tom Brady, but just 
you know, traits wise, yeah. wise, traits wise. Yeah. And, but you can't do that. Cause he's not Tom Brady. Like you can't just expect, you know, call the same plays you call for Tom Brady and expect him to do the same things that Tom Brady did. Cause he's not freaking Tom Brady. Nobody is. So, you know, you pretty much have to build a whole new offense for Mac Jones, like that Josh McDaniel is going to be his, his, you know, his homework for the next few months is to build an offense for Mac Jones. And then you might not even use it this year. Yeah. Like he's, he's probably not going to start right away. And if Cam Newton plays decently well with all these new weapons they, they gave him in the off season, they might build an offense that's not even touched at all this season. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting choice. I'm, I'm sure he's really just trying to, to, you know, to hang his hat on somebody and hopefully, hopefully Mac Jones sticks and he, you know, he can kind of cement his legacy, but I don't know that it probably, probably not the smartest pick here. Yeah, definitely not. And I mean, like I was telling you guys earlier, I'm like, obviously Buffalo is like the favorite for the division, but like, I, I won't be surprised if new England is competing for it or maybe they steal it. Like Buffalo loses, a couple road games to out of division opponents and new England takes care of business. And then Miami and Buffalo go one and one against each other. Like I could see new England being in the hunt with their main defensive players coming back and all the additions that like, I never in a million years would think bill would go out and get in free agency. Yeah, no, I, I definitely was a little bit surprised what new England did in the off season, but if they are really concerned, if if Bill really wants to give it one more serious run, you got to have the quarterback to make it happen. And I don't know if Mac Jones is the ideal guy to start over with. But there's talent on that roster now. Last yeah. year, New England did not have a ton of talent. Now they do. And like we both of you mentioned, it, we don't know if Mac Jones is even going to play a role this year. Moving on down along Arizona, everything we said about the Cowboys taking a linebacker, it's true here as well. Arizona need, needed things. Uh, their defense was not great last year. They couldn't get much of a pass rush. You had Chandler Jones out for most of the season. You bring in J.J. Watt. You really didn't enhance your offensive line to help Kyler Murray out. You didn't really give any inclination of understanding what your problem was. Arizona was in a lot of their games last year. It was game management decisions that ended up costing them a lot. Coaching decisions, being aggressive on fourth down, trying to be a bit more aggressive using the pass instead of just Kenyon Drake runs for three yards a pop to move the ball. And, well, I think Zayvon Collins is a pretty good football player. I don't know how much he's going to help you win football games right now, the way football is. Inside linebackers just don't have as much of an impact as they used to. And while... Arizona is going to control the middle of the field between him, Buda Baker, and Isaiah Simmons. I think the fact that you have Buda Baker and Isaiah Simmons already who fill a similar enforcer type of role in the box, I don't know if this is helping you. You kind of took the words right out of my mouth with the Dallas because, like, they pretty much could have gone anywhere on on defense and it would have filled, you know, a need of some sort, but – you know, maybe I, I guess they 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 weren't confident enough in Caleb Farley and his mm-hmm. medicals to take him, and they thought Greg Newsom was a little bit of a reach to take um, to take at sixteen. So they ended up just going with the linebacker. Um, you know, probably moves Isaiah Simmons back to safety now to to play with Buda Baker. They have some versatility. Um, yeah, you know, they, they, it's like I said, it, it's like like you said, it's probably not the the smartest pick, but. The defense is so bad last year. The offense is in a pretty good spot. You know, they have DeAndre Hopkins. They have Kyler Murray. James Conner really isn't that good, but they can find somebody day two or day three of the draft to, to fill in at running back. 
Um, maybe they could have used an offensive lineman also, but again, defense was a, was a huge need just across the board. Anybody they, they would have got would have filled a need. So can't fault it too much. Yeah. I like once, once Slater and Tucker were gone, I feel like Arizona was like, okay, we'll go defense. Like if, if they really felt that they wanted one of those guys strongly, I don't think popping up a couple spots would have been that difficult. Mm-hmm. Not a big with, price. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with multiple teams actually trading those picks away. But it's like now they're kind of running into the situation that Atlanta was in like the, the year after their Super Bowl. And it's like they have a lot of defensive players who are good and can play a lot of positions, but none that are really great. Yeah. That, I it, I mean, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that they also just lost Peterson. Yes, he's on the Vikings now. They brought in Malcolm Butler to replace him, but we've seen so, Malcolm I, Butler try and play defense for the Titans for a few years now. It didn't really work yeah. out. He's 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 going to be another one of those guys who was like, oh, he had a really good Super Bowl and a very mediocre career other than that. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's the two Malcolms, Malcolm Smith, Malcolm Butler. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. It's like I think Cliff is a good coach and last year was the same thing. Like he has his picks in right away. He knows who he wants and he takes them. Yeah, that's true. Will it work? I don't know. I think <laughs> Simmons, you could argue Isaiah Simmons didn't work last year, but like the fact that he even got him is crazy. And yeah, while he was not good at all last year or really even in the game. He did single-handedly beat the Seattle at overtime. Yeah. yeah. Like, if he's not on the field in that overtime, they lose. Yeah. So, maybe they hope that they can get that more consistently and not just in one random overtime. But, like Chris said, I think they could have went anything defensive and they would have been – like, you can't fault them too much. Yeah, definitely. Time to talk about everyone's favorite team every single year in the draft, the Las Vegas Raiders. They went up very much off the board here on Alex Leatherwood. Coming into last year, going into last summer, Leatherwood was one of the presumptive top tackles in this draft class. For most people, the pre-college football season last year, Leatherwood was the number two tackle in the class behind Penny Sewell. He did not have a particularly good season at Alabama. This is a player who came back. He was draft eligible last year as well, and he decided to come back for one more year. He did not have a particularly good season playing on the offside, and the Raiders reached. I I think the number for his over-under on prop sites was 38.5. The Raiders took him at 17. Pretty big reach here. Uh, The Raiders do this every year, so it's kind of a running joke at this point. Basically, did the Raiders get it? Do the Raiders know what they need to do to be successful? Or are we still trying to win football games like 15 years ago? Because it kind of seems like Gruden and Mayock are just kind of grabbing guys they like and not really trying to build a team. They're not really like maximizing the value of their guys either. Like I know sometimes it's hard to trade down because it takes two to tango. Like you you can't just trade down. You need someone Mm -hmm. else to want to trade up. But like – you said every year of Mayock Gruden, they've severely overdrafted somebody. Year one, they took Cleveland Farrell at number four, when a lot of guys thought, yeah, they might take Cleveland Farrell, but at their 22nd pick where they ended up getting Josh Jacobs. <laughs> and then last year, they took Damon Arnett at like 18, 19 in a similar spot. They take him and it was like, 
he was the number two guy behind Okuda. He was getting buzzed in like the second round, maybe, <laughs> maybe third, maybe he'd fall to the third round. And they took him, they took him in the teens. So I don't know. Like you said, they, they, they seem to get their sights set on the guy. They like, they take him, but they could probably, I mean, it's almost like they're kind of like Dave Gettleman-esque where they just, they don't see the big picture and like, well, yeah, we like this guy and we want to take him, but we could also move back 15 picks, get another and third get or fourth and still get this guy. So yeah. I don't know. It's it's I I I don't I don't really I I loved Mike Mayock when he was on NFL Network, but I miss Mayock. Some puzzling, some puzzling choices uh, as as GM of the of the Raiders, and I don't know if he's making those choices or it's Gruden. It's Gruden. Gruden has the prop, final prop. say over personnel decisions. Yeah, pro, yeah. Trevor, stump for your boy Gruden, real quick. I like. I mean, you both know I love John Gruden. Yeah, I'm like. I don't know if it's the Chargers fan in me and it's just like that they're in my division. I don't want to like underestimate them, but like even last year, like I watched them and I'm like, this is a good team. None of their picks make sense. None of them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Even rugs. Like, it's like, what are you doing? And it's yeah, like, that's a good point. I just watch them play and I'm like, <laughs> about rugs. they're like a good, like they're a good team. Like people talk about them, like, especially like, the ESPN analysts like they're awful. They and they went eight and eight last year, and like bar a crazy end zone touchback fumble and a weird PI call, they're ten and six. Yeah, like, they were. That's yeah. without what, in my opinion, their two best defensive players who got hurt yeah. in that Monday Night Football game. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm a very like, fair point. The the picks don't make sense. But like I'm like, it just the team just works, and it does. Like, like I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Denver's pick, and I'm like, their game plan is just to run the ball. Yeah. Like, if you're if you're gonna hold the ball for 35, 40 minutes a game, I mean, it's not like you need superstars. That's basically where you need like the game manager and the the Ben don't break defense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a team that traded away three offensive linemen. They traded away uh, the center. They traded away one of the guards and the tackle back to New England. So they definitely needed starters on the offensive line. I get it. But there were other guys they could have taken, and the running joke will continue for at least one more season. Miami takes one of the more fascinating players in the draft in Jalen Phillips, someone who was the number one recruit coming out of high school. He went to UCLA, suffered multiple concussions, retired from football, took a year off, walked on at Miami, had the best tape of any pass rusher in this draft class, but a lot of teams are scared off by the medical history, and with good reason. Someone who's one concussion away from never being able to play football again is a risky proposition with your first-round pick, but at the same time, like we said earlier when we were talking about Miami taking Waddle, Miami seems to know what they're doing in terms of picking their guys. Yeah, they've struck out on a few guys in free agency and just kind of made them go away by cutting them, but I feel like they've done a really good job of picking guys that fit what they want to do, and I'm very excited to see what Brian Flores can do with Jalen Phillips on his defense. Yeah, at, at this point in Brian Flores' tenure, I think he's earned the benefit of the, benefit of the doubt right now. He seems to be mm. making a lot of smart moves, and if they, if they like a guy, there's probably something they see in them that makes them like him so much, and they probably feel like he's gonna fit this system, so uh, I think I think it's a good pick. I mean, there was there was some buzz about him maybe going up high to the Giants because they needed an edge guy. So getting him at eighteen, probably more around where he should have gone. But I think it's a it's a very good pick. It fills a need, and 
you know, like I said, they Brian Flores seems to know what he's doing. He seems to be pretty good at this. So I, I, I like this move. Yeah, I mean, Miami is they've I think they've made it very obvious over the last two years that they are good at this. Like a team like I mentioned earlier, we like everybody thought we're going 0 16 and they went what five and eleven, six and ten? Yeah. And it's like that we thought that team like overachieved. And then this past year, it's like maybe they underachieved. <laughs> like, yeah. They are very good everywhere. And it's like I don't I don't doubt Flores at all. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I I believe that he knows what he's doing. And they showed us even this offseason that like if they don't think a player fits into their plans, they will just cut them. Like yeah. they traded, I'm forgetting his name, but they traded for it was the Titans kid, right? And then they cut him two weeks later. Yeah, the tackle. Yeah, the tackle the like, Titans took last year. Isaiah, yeah, yeah. Isaiah Wilson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it's like they won't, like they won't lock themselves down in a bad, like investment situation. Yeah. They they threw a bag at Kyle Van Noy and then cut him loose this all season. Yeah, like yeah. they are at their, at their one year in like a forty-five million dollar contract. They were just like, it's not working. Yeah. Go back to yeah. New England. Yeah. So now we get to the Washington football team, who took a linebacker, someone from the Kentucky defense, which was pretty underrated last year. That Kentucky defense, if you're not a college football nerd like me, you might not be that familiar with it. But Stoops has done a pretty good job with the Kentucky program and its limitations by playing defense and running the ball. And this guy, Javante Davis, something Davis, I can't remember his first name. I'm a terrible podcast host, but he fills a need. He fills a need. They needed an inside linebacker. That defense is obviously the strong point of that team. They might have been able to go to receiver here. We'll be brief on this one. There's not a ton to say. I don't know a ton of Kentucky play off the top of my head. Like, I remember watching him play. Obviously, we're doing our best, but... Do you think that adding on to an already strong suit of your team makes sense, or would you have rather seen Washington add to their offense, which has the, been the weak point of the team for about two years now? I think it would have been smarter to add a wideout. Um, mm-hmm. That probably was the, the smartest move. Um, I mean, they, they have some talent. Obviously, Terry McLaurin's great. Logan Thomas is pretty good. Steven Sims is, is pretty decent. Um, that I, I mean, I like I said, I probably would have – or maybe maybe an offensive lineman if they like somebody like Darisol they could have taken. But, you know – the defense is is phenomenal. That's what got them into the playoffs last year. Um, and you're adding a position on defense that you need to fill a void in. I mean, they've taken defensive linemen in the first round of like five years in a row. Good, Luckily for them, they all hit. You know, the Jets did it too, but the Jets guys missed. The Washington, all of them have hit. They've all <laughs> been great. Um, yeah. But, yeah, now they, they feel pretty much the only hole up in this defense. You know, they have they have Collins, Lena Collins at safety. They have Kendall Fuller, played great for him at corner last year. They have good players all around the defense. They needed an inside linebacker. They got one. So, um, like I said, probably personally would have gone offense, but I, I I don't think this is a bad pick at all. Yeah, not at all. I think that, first of all, recent Kentucky linebackers will say that they're getting a very good player. Yeah. But it's like, like I was telling you guys earlier in the party, it's – I like their offense is pretty good. I feel like, like, I think that there's no doubt about it. It was the quarterback play that held them back last year. And that like with the amount of like 
talented wide receivers in this draft and just how good like the past decade of second round receivers have been, I don't think that they're in a rush to get one. Okay. That's fair. That's like, very I, fair. I feel like they can hit in the second round, especially since they don't need that number one guy. Like Terry Definitely. is obviously the number one receiver. Give him a compliment. I think day two, they probably get a receiver in there, an extra, even if it's not a receiver, if it's a tight end, if it's a Pat Fryer moose kind of deal, mm-hmm. just give, give the Fitz magic a little bit more to work with. He can do things if you give him the opportunity moving right along the New York football giants, they trade back the bears get Justin Fields. The giants go a little bit off the reservation. I don't know how much I thought that Dave Gettleman would even look at a player like Kadarius Tony, the receiver from Florida. He, he does everything. You could line him up in the backfield. You can use him in option situations. You can put him in the slot. You can put him anywhere. One of the most elusive players in football, one of the quickest players, really fast in and out of his cuts. Not the fastest in a straight line, but really good at making people miss. This is an exciting player. The Giants are dropping him into an offense that already has Kenny Galladay, who you signed, Evan Ingram, who we like to make fun of, but on paper is a pretty good tight end. Saquon Barkley coming back from an ACL, Darius Slayton as your deep threat, and Sterling Shepard as your intermediate, and Really quickly, you realize the Giants have a lot of skill position talent, and now it's time to see if Daniel Jones is actually going to be a quarterback going forward. Yeah, he has he has really no excuses anymore. Um, they probably it probably might have been smarter to take an edge guy like Quiddy Pay went one after. Maybe they take Darisol there out of Virginia Tech. Might have been smarter, but I think with the same thing with the first pick, I was going to be happy with whatever they took. If they took a wideout, a corner, a tackle, a linebacker, whatever they took, I would have been happy with. But the thing that scared me at 20 was now they were kind of in like Christian Barmore, Jason Owa range. And that was like, yeah. oh crap. Like that's a possibility now at 20. I really don't want that to happen, but extremely happy with Tony. Like you said, a little bit outside of the box move for, for Gettleman, but very good player. Gives Daniel Jones another weapon. He does a lot. He's extremely fast. They have a, a lot of, a lot of offensive talent. There's like I said, there's no excuses for Daniel Jones anymore. If they if they get a lineman, an offensive lineman tomorrow with their second round pick, no excuses for Daniel Jones anymore. He has he has to perform. It's make or break for him. It's make or break for pretty much the most the spine of the team, Jones, Gettleman, and Joe Judge. Because although I really like Joe Judge, if Jones is out and Gettleman's out, Judge is probably out too. So yeah. big, big it's year for them. Okay. No more excuses. They have the pieces. Trevor, from an outsider perspective, well, relatively briefly, but where would you put the Giants in the NFC East? Third, probably? I don't know. I mean, I think – obviously, this won't be the case because football's football. Stupid. But I think if everybody's healthy, Dallas is the clear-cut number one. And then I'm like, I think that, like, two, three is just a – who wins the game between Washington the two and them. New York? Yeah. And I'm like, I think the Eagles are very obviously last. But I'm like, your guys' division games are always close, no matter how good or bad a team is. Yeah. So like, if you like, if you guys one and one Washington or 2-0 them, then I think you're two or yeah. vice versa. And I'm That's like, a good I, point. I, I think that this is about like – like, it's not a wrong place to take him, mm-hmm. but, like, 
it's a little bit early, but I think he complements Galladay perfectly. And like you guys yeah. said, like it's on Jones now. Like you have good receivers. Evan, you have a good Evan Ingram for five weeks of the year, and then you get the other <laughs> And then you got Saquon Barkley, who says he's ready to come back already. So I can't, I can't see more excuses being made. I'm I'm sure They're... our friend Bones will try, but I oh, can't, yes. I can't see more excuses being made for him. It's very rare I'm not mad on draft night for the Giants, so I I, I will take my victories when I can. Kadarius Tony, I like the pick. Colts, they bring in Quiddy Pay, very probably the most polished pass rusher coming out right now. Played at Michigan. He's going to play right away for Indy. That defense, which has been the Colts' calling card for the last two years, gets another reinforcement in there. They need a pass rusher. You have him in there with Darius Leonard. The corners, Rocky Sim was pretty good for them. They got good production out of Xavier Rhodes. If Malik Hooker could ever stay healthy, the Colts' defense has a lot of talent, and this is adding to a strong point of the team. I don't know what else to say really about Indy. It's going to be a matter of if Carson Wentz is good or not if the Colts are a playoff team again. Uh, that's That division is going to be between them and um, Tennessee. And I think I'd lean Indy at the moment just based on what they have, but we got to see how the rest of the draft plays out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> on the flip side of the praise I gave the Eagles, the Colts have a very, very talented team and did a very dumb thing. They traded for Carson Wentz. Yes. Like, I would literally rather throw Jacoby Brissett out there. Like, they, their defense is extremely good. They have two very good running backs, a third that is just makes freakish plays when they throw him out there for absolutely no reason other than to – screw with fantasy and gambling props yes and their young receivers look like they're going to be studs but i'm like i i made the joke to mark our eagles friend fan with um that video of his like quote-unquote eagles highlights and i'm like maybe he'll throw to an eagle this year since it will be an interception like (laughs) i just don't understand why they would do that to themselves when they're such a good team. But I guess he feels like it worked the one year they were together. He can make it work again. I don't know. Teams, teams get desperate to, to fill, fill the quarterback spot. They do really anything. They'll they'll make pretty desperate leaps to, to fill that position with guys who, who are at best average or slightly above average. So I don't know. Like you said, very talented team. One of the most talented teams in football. They only had a few needs. Edge was one of the needs. They they could have gone wide out. Was could have been another another decent. You know, they. I, I think they were probably looking at Kadarius Tony. Um, obviously went pick before to the Giants, and they could have they could use an offensive lineman too. Anthony Costanza, I believe, retired this offseason, so they could have used another left tackle. Although the rest of the offensive line is very good. So usually when you have enough really good guys, they can pick up the slack from the bad guys. So maybe it wasn't the biggest pressing need. Um. Yeah, good pick, like you said, like you said, Nick. Very, very high floor guy, very polished. You know, not going to be incredible, but you should get some decent production out of him. 
Yeah, right away too, because they 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 figure to be in the mix for the playoffs, and it's a good way to transition because Tennessee picked right behind them. They take the gamble on Caleb Farley, the Virginia Tech corner, multiple back surgeries in less than a year. He suffered a herniated disc in his neck that he got while working out. It didn't heal properly the first time after surgery. He had to get surgery a second time uh, in within the last two or three weeks. And the poor kid got COVID in the last week, which is why he was by himself on camera at the draft in his own house. So he's kind of dealt with it. But we mentioned it earlier when we were talking about um, we were talking about Arizona, where if you just throw anything on the defense, it would make them better. Tennessee, for all of their bluster of being a hard-nosed physical team that plays good defense that defense was pretty shitty last year it was just pretty bad so taking the flyer on a guy it's not even a flyer because he's your first round pick but taking a Caleb Farley and hoping five months from now he's good to go it's risky but at the same time prior to the second surgery there was legitimate discussion of if Farley could be the first corner taken so it's a gamble it's a very big gamble, but at the same, if it works, they got a steal. This is a guy who could have gone ninth, tenth overall. You could, you got twenty second because of injuries. If your medical team is good with it, I like the move for Tennessee. Yeah, I was gonna say if, if he didn't have these injury concerns, he he would have been up in the mix with with certain and and JC Horn. So, you know, it, it, these guys, you know, those guys with the injury concerns, they always fall. But there's always a team who thinks, you know. If, if he could stay healthy, this is a great pick. And, you know, that's, that's probably a good value. You know, getting a guy who's a top 10 talent, top 10 player probably in the draft to pick 22, you know, it, I think it's a risk willing, you know, willing to take. And especially when you have a need at cornerback like like Tennessee does, you know, it, it's, worth, it's worth the risk. Obviously, it could really blow up and they, they could lose it. They could pretty much just lose this first round pick for nothing. But, you know, if it works out, they got a steal. So. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure they're confident in their in their training staff, and hopefully, hopefully he's able to stay healthy because he's had, like you said, getting COVID too. It just it seems like a, a string of bad luck. So, hopefully, things turn around for him there. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with everything both of you just said. I think that like Vrabel's offense is like everybody knows what he's going to do. He's going to pound Henry. They're going to hold the ball. Ryan Tannehill is going to do like one play action deep bomb to AJ Brown. And they're just going to hope that their defense can hold you to less points than them. And yeah. like, kind of like we talked about before the playoffs last year, Nick, it's like they're very, their defense was very much like Seattle last year where you either get a very, very good defense or you're getting 40 points scored on you. Yeah. And, that, and they didn't have an in-between. So like, I don't think that, like throwing a dart at what could be could be the best cornerback in the draft if he didn't have to get a second surgery is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Kind of like, kind of like I'm, we're going to touch on Pittsburgh in a second here, but like kind of like them. I don't think I don't think picks after twenty. Like I think picks after twenty are closer to second round picks than they are to like the top five, top ten. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, no. Definitely like, get what you're you saying. You have more leeway to kind of throw a dart. Yeah. Whereas if you are like in the top five, you need a sure thing. And it's like you need somebody that you plug and play. Yeah. Like when once you get around here, it's like you're throwing a dart where you hope you get somebody. But like if you luck out in like the third round and get a beast and it kind of offsets it type thing. Yeah. No. And I mean, Derrick Henry is. 
very, very easily able to control a game. Yes, yes. One of the few good running backs who's able to have an impact. So it's a good way we can talk about the Vikings, another team that's heavily reliant on running the ball and using play action to be successful. They run a variation of what Tennessee runs. All of this offense stems from Kyle Shanahan's dad, Mike, that kind of is the the godfather of that play action zone run offense. But Minnesota adds an offensive lineman here. We know they needed it. Uh, this is a team that's used first-round picks on offensive linemen in recent years. They took a center a few years ago. They took a guard a few years ago. The Vikings have a defined ceiling right now. It's as far as Kirk Cousins can take them. The more opportunities you give him to have a clean pocket with good offensive line play helps. Mike Zimmer's got to straighten out the defense, though. It was very weird to see them have a piss-poor defense like they did last year. I know they were starting two rookie corners for most of the season. They brought in Patrick Peterson, who's pretty much over the hill at this point, but Zimmer wanted to bring in a guy he felt like he could trust a little bit more, an older guy, run a little bit of that zone they like to run, but... It's really hard to talk about offensive tackles authoritatively because, you know, we're not crunching offensive lineman tape. I'm not Robert Mays at The Athletic, but this fills a need. This fills a need for the Vikings. They're probably the second best team in that division, third best maybe, depending how you feel about Chicago. You fill a need at a position of value. You can't really complain. Yeah, I think I think Minnesota played the value game really well. I'm sure Darisol was somebody they were looking at at 14 after Slater went to to the Chargers right ahead of them. They were very obviously looking for a tackle. Like I said, they're probably looking at Darisol, and they thought we could probably move back a few spots and still get this guy later on in the draft. They, and I, I don't think the trade was that great for them. I don't think just moving up one round in the middle of the draft was great value for, for how far they moved down. But still, you know, they, they, get a, they get a better pick. They get a slightly better pick. They get to move up a, a, a chunk of spots in the middle of the draft. And they, they still are able to get a guy, like I said, that they probably had some, at least some discussions about at 14 because probably didn't want Vera Tucker. They were probably strictly looking for a tackle. And once Slater was off the board and they probably had, they probably knew there was no way Sewell was getting to them. So this is probably a guy they were looking at anyways. They were play the value game, move down, still get their guy, you know, feels a need, can't, can't fault the pick too much. Yeah, no, sound logic here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely sound logic. And it's it's the exact opposite of what we were saying with Las Vegas. Yeah. And it's like they – they like Chris just said, they were looking at him once Slater was gone. And they were probably like, we can trade down a couple picks and still get him. Something that Las Vegas is – I mean, to put it – like to put it straight, they're just too lazy to do. Like I can't see <laughs> Rudin sitting in the room calling people up Hey, let's uh, let's make a move. We get this that. I just don't see either of them doing that. Whereas, they moved up around. Does is that going to matter long term? We won't know until we see who picks who with those picks. But more often than not, like you'd rather have the guy you get in a third than the guy you get in a fourth. And if they yeah. were like, if that was their guy anyway, then, I mean, they, I think worked out pretty well. It worked out pretty well for both teams just tonight like solely yeah. speaking about tonight so and they're they're another team like we just talked about like if you just give cook the ball and he's healthy it's like you don't need a lot to happen when you work the clock that much 
I mean, they beat Green Bay last year. That was one of the yeah. three losses the Packers had last year, and they fucked up everybody's um, suicide pool. They fucked up everyone's uh, two te- their three-team teasers. Minnesota is a decent football team. It'll be interesting to see where they end up this year. That division is going to be interesting. It always shakes out a little bit weird. Moving right along, you mentioned the Steelers. I don't want to beat the drum about running backs in the first round for too long. This is one of my my fundamental principles of football. It doesn't really matter how good of a running back is, no matter who your running back is, if they don't have an offensive line in front of them and they don't run in smart situations, it's going to be hard for them to make an impact. And we saw it last year with James Conner, with Benny Snell, with Jalen Samuels, whoever the Steelers put in at running back, none of them could get anything going because they couldn't block at all. And the passing game wasn't a threat because they never took the top off the defense. So teams were hugging the offensive line, forcing them to run into heavy boxes. And it was was just a difficult situation i think Najee harris a good running back i just don't know how much better he's going to make the steelers right now yeah i think i mean i'm usually like the devil's advocate in the group chat when it comes to the running backs and i'm like the, the top notch running back stand out like i'm gonna take christian mccaffrey camara and derrick henry over like james robinson every day but yeah. like, but it's it also comes back with the Steelers to what you just said, and it's like they have a bad offensive line. What they needed to do was they needed to trade up a little bit and get one of the linemen. Yeah, like I just unless they like think that somebody they can get in the second or third round is going to significantly improve them, then I don't understand why you throw the dart at Harris now. Like, I think he'll be great. I just don't – like, Ben is declining. Yeah. You don't, You didn't really you – didn't, you don't really need defense at all. They look pretty good. Your wide receivers – I mean, Juju's only returned on a one year, I think. But, yeah, like, Claypool is a stud. Like, and it just feels like every single wide receiver they draft, it just ends up being a beast anyway. And it's like, I can understand what, like, their thought process with Harris is. But it's like – with Ben not really being a threat, as like at least to what we're used to Ben being, and their offensive line being kind of bottom of the league, it's like I feel like he's going to have too much pressure to actually succeed. Like yeah. I don't know, staying put and like being the most predictable team in the draft is usually not good. Like yes, that's a very good point. That you're taking this player at this spot, and then you take him, is probably not the best spot to be in. Yeah. Chris? Um, I want to put it out there that I am not a supporter of taking a running back in the first round. But if I want to say anything positive about this, because I don't want to just rag on them like, you know, we all, we all want to, at least they kind of need a running back. That's like, true. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, Benny <laughs> Snell – and, and you know they they probably they probably could have made it made it work with him, um if if they got the right alignment, but Harris is a lot better. Yes. If we want to move on to the next pick, that makes zero <laughs> sense. That None. makes Let's I go. can't. None there's, at all. There, there's no way I could defend that. Like I say, I'm I'm not happy with Harris going in the first round. I don't think it makes sense taking running back in the first round. But at least Pittsburgh kind of needs a running back. <laughs> Travis Etienne to Jacksonville makes literally zero sense. 
because they found <laughs> a diamond in the rough with James Robinson undrafted last year. And he was, he was great. He was like yeah. a top five, top 10 running back last year. James Robinson, he was, fun, he was fantastic for them. And they got him undrafted, which they, tell you everything you need to know about so, running backs. He was, he was so good in camp that they just cut Fournette. Straight yeah, up. They yeah. would just, yeah. For, they got to Fournette was third overall a few years ago. And they're like, yeah, no, you're out of here because this guy we just picked up off the street is better than you. And he was, he was, James Robinson was great. Yeah. And then not even, not even the fact that like, we, we, we kind of gave Kansas City a pass for drafting Edward Delaire last year, even though it didn't really work out, but we gave him a pass because it's like Kansas City's such a good team. They really don't need a whole lot. So like, yeah, get the running back. That's going to fit the offense. Well, he didn't end up fitting the offense that well, but like Jacksonville needs everything. Yes. Literally every, they need everything except the running back. And I'm now yes. a quarterback because they because they took Lawrence and then they take it like they could have taken a wide out literally any other position Jacksonville could have gone here and it would have been like all right that's that's a fine move Jacksonville that's an upgrade whatever they took that's an upgrade Etienne I mean he, yeah he probably will be better than you know he could be better than James Robinson but like zero need for that they, no, yeah I, how much made, didn't make any sense how much of it do you think is kind of what I said about Cincinnati though. Like, do you yeah, think it's Urban Meyer being dumb, or do you think it's like, oh, they're on the phone with Trevor Lawrence, and he's like, hey, like, if you guys, if the guy you guys want here isn't there, I really want Etienne. Like, yeah, how much of it I can see that. Trying to make Lawrence happy. I can see that being part of this because you know, if they lose Trevor Lawrence, I think there might be a full-on mutiny. Where like, if Trevor Lawrence oh, yeah. is like uncomfortable. I could see a full-on mutiny where we're talking like soccer-style protests outside of the stadium in Jacksonville, where like everybody who buys a ticket to the game pisses in the pool simultaneously, and they have to cancel the game. Like that levels of riot if Trevor Lawrence does not work out, or if he is visibly unhappy in Jacksonville. I really don't think this Urban Meyer thing is going to go well. I just don't. College yeah. coaches don't typically fare that well in the NFL. There's only been a handful to do well at both levels. Jimmy. Johnson, Pete Carroll come to mind. We saw Pete Carroll the first time around not do particularly well in stints with the Jets and New England. We saw Steve Spurrier, Bobby Petrino. It's hard. There's a difference between the two. And yeah. it's going to be an uphill battle for Jacksonville. And dumping a pick on a running back when you already had a running back on your roster just doesn't make a ton of sense. It just doesn't. And, like, Urban Meyer didn't do himself any favors with his staff. So, yeah. It's, this is an uphill battle. This is going to be an uphill battle for Jacksonville, and I hope Trevor oh, does well. To be fair to Jacksonville, oh, I don't even think they're the worst team in their division. That's yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like they don't Houston have, also has, but they're Houston better. Houston has than a lot. Houston, Houston has a lot of shit. Hot. Houston is a hot mess, especially if Watson can't play. Yeah, that's that's screaming zero sixteen to me. Yeah, I keep I keep when forgetting about them because they, they have like four they have like Saturday? four picks in this draft. <laughs> like, Actually, no, I think they have I think they have seven picks, but the their highest picks like a third rounder. They have like five six round picks. Like, who cares? Yeah, literally. If, if Watson cannot play, <laughs> if Watson cannot play, that might be the most untalented NFL team we ever see in the yeah, modern they, era. They're, they're going to rival the one sixteen Lions. If yeah. Watson can't play. This will be the first time that I will actually give the argument where Alabama team. could play. <laughs> like even the even like the 0-16 Lions, I'm like they would destroy Alabama. The one in fifteen Browns absolutely murder them. If Houston without Watson, 
I think Alabama could take them. Yeah, it's I don't know half the Alabama roster for next year right now. Uh, do I'm you know half the Houston out. roster? <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. I, I know they have Mark Ingram. I know like, they have Mark Ingram. We all, play, we all play a lot of Madden and do a lot of fantasy and gambling yeah. with, like, props and stuff. I don't know Texans players. Do they still have Brandon Cooks? Number one wide Is it Brandon Cooks? I, I think it's. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Other than Watson, probably. Yeah. I'm probably, like, but I mean, he's a concussion away from from not know. playing anymore. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. they have Mark Ingram, and they have. Did they didn't bring like David Johnson too? So yeah, 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 yeah. Two of their best We're, players like are, are washed up running backs. backs. Yes, I'm sensing we've hit. So I'm sensing we've hit a nerve here. I think we need to do a full-on Houston rebuild where we bring in a few more of our friends and we kind of unpack it on every single level of how you would fix a team that has absolutely no talent. So moving right along here to Cleveland, they took one of the players I really liked in this draft. I was high on Greg Newsom. I thought he might be in play for the Jets pick when the Jets were originally picking at uh, 23. You put on a good corner opposite Denzel Ward. We've yet to see Greedy Williams make an impact at the NFL level after being pretty good at LSU. The defense was the problem last year for the Browns. That offense was pretty damn good. The best running attack in the league. The best offensive line unit in the league all across the line, one through five. You saw Baker Mayfield make a little bit of a leap. If Odell comes back healthy, you're talking about them. You got Juice Landry in the mix. You got uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was good in spurts. You got the three tight ends, whether it's Harrison Bryan and Joku or Hooper, who they give the big deal to. It's very weird to talk about the Browns confidently, but... I think you could make an argument they're the favorites to win the AFC North right now. I agree. I I mean, it didn't end up working out, but I thought that they were the favorites last year. Yeah. I mean, they won the playoff game, but, like, the team is very good. And, like, I know that the, the NFL is changing and what the Chiefs are doing is absolutely out of this world. And I'm, like, one of the biggest, like, yes, let Mahomes just throw it around. Let him do whatever the hell he wants. But I'm, like, the Browns' game plan works. Yeah. Having people run over 100 yards works. And it, like, they, it, it let, like you just said, it let Baker thrive. Yeah. He didn't have to do all the work. You gave him <laughs> an offensive line. Where the offensive line was amazing last year. The tackles, the guy they took last year, Jedrick Wills, awesome. The center was awesome. The guards were both great. They got really good offensive line play. Their offensive line coach, really good. We saw it. If you put Baker where he doesn't have to do everything, he doesn't have to be the hero, he can execute your game plan. He can roll out of the pocket. He can throw it a little around a little bit. And when you get him cooking with a little bit of confidence, he plays a little bit above his means. He's one of those kind of streaky players. Chris, isn't it so weird the Browns are actually supposed to be good now and it's not like just the Sports Illustrated cover good, like actually good? Yeah, no, Kevin Kevin Stefanski is seems to be a perfect fit, perfect yeah. mesh with Baker Mayfield, whereas Freddie Kitchens was just a disaster. <laughs> it, was just, it, it was just it was an awful marriage. Kevin Stefanski and Baker seems to work extremely, extremely well. And of course, like, like Trevor said, it helps that they have probably the best, you know, best one-two running back room in the whole league, you know, Nick Chubb and, and, and Kareem Hunt, they're both very, very good running backs. Um, so, you know, it, it helps, you know, when, when you can run, like obviously it's a passing league now, but when you can run, when you can run like 200 plus yards a game consistently, 
you're gonna win like team people like people you know the old people on 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 tv they always say oh you gotta be able to run the football to win generally that's not true if you could run it as well as like derrick henry does and as 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 you know dalvin cook does and as the browns do then it works but you just can't find running backs that are that good but the browns are able to do it and again like you said they also have incredible incredible o-line play probably the best offensive line in football so that certainly is a big help too and then i mean really top end talent wise they might have like one of the best rosters in football just like top end talent like indy and washington have very good rosters cleveland's like very good roster full of top end guys odell jarvis both the running backs miles garrett denzel ward all like really really elite players all around the field yeah, it's it's exciting times for Cleveland. I mean, granted, we did also see the Browns play a game against the Raiders where the final was like nine to six this year because they played in a windstorm. So running the ball does have its limitations. Moving right along, we talked about it briefly, but we were all very surprised Baltimore didn't trade either of their picks, but they filled the need. Rashad Bateman, very exciting player, a playmaker. I do worry a little bit. He's kind of similar to Hollywood Brown in the terms of he's a big play guy where you got to get him the ball to make something happen. And he's a little bit on the small side, so he might have a harder time getting open at the line of scrimmage. But for all intents and purposes, this is the Lamar jump year. Like, yeah, that sounds weird to say about someone who won the MVP, but they won the playoff game finally against Tennessee this year. Now we want to see him go to the AFC title game. We want to see Ravens Chiefs in Arrowhead or at M&T Bank Stadium to go to the Super Bowl. And we want to see the Ravens make the jump. And you add Bateman to that team. They brought in um, – they brought in um, – who was the wide receiver they signed stupidly? Oh, Sammy Watkins? Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about a team that expects to contend for a Super Bowl, and they fill the position of needs. So – I don't know where you guys are at on Baltimore. I think Cleveland is better, but if you wanted to make an argument, I'd hear it. I I think, I mean, technically, if you look at a lot of the numbers last year, you can probably say Baltimore was the best team in that division. They just got extremely unlucky. I think they had the biggest plus, you know, plus minus points wise. And if anybody in, in that, that ASC North, so they had a very good year. They got a little bit unlucky. Um, you know, obviously the, the offense has has some limitations with, with with Lamar not being the greatest thrower. Obviously, he had no receiver help last year. Marquise Brown is just not good at all. Um, but you know, they they they're a very good team. They're a very good team. Obviously, losing Orlando Brown hurts, but you know, they don't need elite offensive line play. They they have they have a good young running back. They have a lot of they have offensive talent. They gave Lamar another weapon, and the defense is phenomenal. The defense is great. Yeah. We're, we're very rarely in our lifetime have we seen a bad Baltimore Ravens defense. So, yeah, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, I this is one of the picks in the first round that like I really just truly don't understand what they're doing. Okay, like I understand wanting to get Lamar like help. And like another receiver because like Hollywood is so inconsistent it's ridiculous yeah. but like if your plan was to maybe take away some of his running responsibility and throw the ball then I don't know maybe don't trade your best lineman yeah like <laughs> I just don't understand like if their offense isn't going to be exactly the same and just run 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 oh hey Mark Andrews run 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 hey Andrews you're back like I don't I truly am questioning what the heck they were doing sending orlando brown to 
the literal best team in the AFC. Yeah. Like, I don't – I'm not sure that Harbaugh is sold going one way or the other right now. With Lamar, you mean? Yeah. And he's stuck okay. in the middle ground where he's like, can we win it just running? And, like, I don't think that they can ever win it with Lamar throwing the ball. Their defense yeah. being really, really good and him running the ball, I think that's how they would win it. Like, you're not going to outthrow the Chiefs. There's no point in trying. The Chiefs, like, showed no effort in their game with Baltimore and absolutely demolished them. Yeah, they ran them off the field. That, that was like, one of the more <laughs> – Like, you need to do what you do the best in the league and just keep doing it. Like, yeah, trying, yeah. To, trying to have Lamar be this throwing quarterback is not going to get it done for them, I feel like. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I'm kind of in agreement with you there. And we'll talk about the other, the Ravens' other pick. They went with Jason Oway, the Penn State defensive end, who had no production. When I say no production, I mean literally no production. He had zero sacks in each of his last two seasons. This is a tools guy. This is a traits guy. He is giant. He's six foot seven. He runs a four four forty. He's got a crazy vertical, crazy broad jump. This is a gym this is a gym rat guy. This is someone who the talent evaluators look at and they say, We can teach this guy how to play football. You gotta remember this is someone who didn't play organized football until they were in tenth grade. So he's been learning on the fly a lot and people have looked projected onto him with his size and his traits and we are all pretty confident in Baltimore's ability to get production out of him. It's just, you know, there are other needs. Uh, the pass rush wasn't the biggest issue last year. You could have gone a corner. You could have given Marlon Humphrey some help. We just mentioned that they traded Orlando Brown. You could have given an offensive lineman in there. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest proponent of drafting these tools, guys, but Trevor had said it earlier when we were talking about Caleb Farley. Uh, this is a dart. If you feel like you can teach this guy how to be an elite pass rusher and be Calais Campbell, by all means, Baltimore, let's see it happen. This is this is something Baltimore does all yeah. the time, too. Like, they, they lost Matt Judon in free agency, and it seems like at all the time – they, they get these pass rushers. They're very good. They let them walk in free agency. They get the compensatory pick, and then they just draft their replacement. And then it's just the next guy. The next guy comes in. He comes to the doors, and that's what it is. Um, I Like you said, he's still very raw. Probably won't be that guy right away. But, you know, in a couple years, with all these tools, you never know. They, they've done a pretty good job of developing guys. He could turn into, into the next Matt Judon or, you know, Pernell McPhee before him. They could, he could be that guy and, you know, and then in five, six years, we see him walk in free agency and go to whoever, you know, sign a, sign a fat contract and then they get a third round compensatory pick and then they draft the next guy. That's it. Just exactly. that's Baltimore has always done. And I'm sure that's exactly what they were thinking here. It's exactly the, the, the line of thought they were going with here. So like I said, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a big fan, but if he's going to go somewhere and succeed, Baltimore's probably his best bet. So not a, not, I guess not the worst pick. Yeah, definitely. And like, like I don't necessarily like their other pick because I don't know what Harbaugh's actual plan is. It's mainly because of the Orlando Brown trade. But like this pick, I like a lot. Like it's at the end of the first round. It's your second pick in the first round. Like, and your defense is already really good. So it's like, it's not like he's going to be getting double teamed if you blitz him ever. Yes. Like if you just teach him like a swing move, like, 
I feel like he can get a lot of production. Like, I feel like it kind of reminds me a little bit of the situation when the 49ers were just starting to go down the Kaepernick train. And it's mm. like they had the Smiths. And it's like, I never thought that Alden Smith was very good. Because he was on the same side as Justin but, Smith. Yeah. But he benefited very, very much from the other people around him. And then he went to Oakland, you know, had the whole airport incident and just was terrible. <laughs> And then I think I think even Dallas signed him for a little bit. And like, did anybody ever even hear his name? He had a few. He had like two or three right. sacks last year. But it, rotational pass rusher at this point, yeah. Like I feel like pass rushers when there's a really really good player on the other side are very easy to benefit from. Yes. And like Baltimore has a pretty good defense. If we don't all agree that they're probably the best defense, so I think yeah. that he has every chance to succeed. Yeah, that's your major key here for when you're drafting guys. You got to put them in a position to succeed. Speaking of taking weird guys, I had to Google who the guy the Saints took was because I don't <laughs> remember seeing him in any first-round mock drafts. The Saints are one of those teams that really tries to be smarter than everyone else. I mean, this is a team that's trying to convince the world Taysom Hill is a quarterback. <laughs> I, I don't want to dwell on this one too long, but this is obviously a guy the Saints liked a lot, and they didn't know if he would be there at the end of the second round when they were going to be picking, so they said, fuck it, we'll take him now. A reach, fine. They let Trey Hendricks leave in free agency. He's going to step into that role opposite Cameron Jordan. And like we just said about Owe, you put him in opposite a, tr- a regular pass rusher that's established, it'll make his life easier. We know the Saints' calling card last year was defense. Do- we assume the Saints have to take a step back, right? They're going to go from being an 11 or 12 win team to being an 8 or 9 win team. I don't know, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like what I was saying in the group chat the other day when I was like saying, oh, this is a good trade for Denver to get Teddy Bridgewater. And it's yeah. like, let me preface this by saying if Taysom Hill is their quarterback, they will regress. Fair. If they throw out like Winston. Like, I feel like they would be better. Because, like, Drew Brees, was, Drew Brees was awful last year. Yeah. Like, he could not throw the ball 10 yards. And Michael Thomas – I mean, Michael Thomas was <laughs> had hey, more well. fights with his teammates than he had touchdowns. Yeah. Like, yeah. they – I feel like their offense can't possibly be worse. And, like, Alvin Kamara is just a freak. He just yes. absolutely carried the offense. And I don't see why he wouldn't be able to do it again. In a division that is, like we mentioned earlier, kind of regressing from what it used to be. Yeah, I mean, aside from Tampa, that division isn't that great. I mean, Carolina, probably going to be a six-ish win team. Atlanta, you never know what you're going to get year to year. Probably in that ballpark of six to eight wins. Maybe ten wins if everything clicks right away, but that's doubtful. Saints probably be in the mix for a wild card. Really going to be dependent on that defense. And like Trevor said, if Taysom Hill's the quarterback, they're not a playoff team. They're just not. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think if, if Winston wins the job, which he should, he's at LASIK now. He could see now. I think they'll be pretty good. I think the the offense will be a lot better. Um, I, Michael Thomas gets a lot of shtick for being only running slants. And I don't know if it's necessarily on him. Like Trevor said, Drew Brees can't throw the ball. What's the point of sending Michael Thomas on a on a on a on a post or on a corner route if Drew Brees isn't gonna get you know be able to reach him? There's really no point. So you got to run the routes that your quarterback can throw. James can obviously throw. He could throw it anywhere on the field. Thomas probably opens up his route tree, which he's he's a very good route runner. So I think that helps. The defense probably takes a step back just because it's it's very hard to be an elite defense in the NFL. 
you know, year after year. Yeah. Um, but you know, did like some of the bounces that, that went from last year probably go the other way, you know, next year, but they're still be good. They still have plenty of talent. Demario Davis, he, he was an all pro. He's great. Cameron Jordan's great. David Onyemata at the tackle. He's good. You know, they had Marshawn Lattimore is fantastic as well. They have plenty of talent on defense. Um, this guy, similar to Owe, he's not going to be asked to do a lot. Um, he'll just be able to be the extra, the extra pass rusher. And, you know, the offense, it's going to be tough. Like, like, yeah, if Taysom Hill's the quarterback, it's probably going to get worse. But like you said, Trevor, Drew Brees was abysmal last year. I mean, if he if he didn't have the pedigree he had in his career, he would have been he would have been gone in two weeks because he could not throw the football. I mean, that was that was our favorite bet last year was Kamara over receptions because he'd get targeted 15 times a game. Yeah. Yeah. And like the other thing about the NFC, even it's like with the addition of the extra playoff team last year, is like I don't think the NFC is that good as a whole. Like I think that that last team sneaking in is going to be below 500 for like the foreseeable future yeah that's a very good point overall i have an 11 win team again multiple maybe that don't make the playoffs moving right along speaking of nfc playoffs we're going to go to the team that has lost in the nfc title game two straight years whose quarterback kind of maybe said some things over the last few weeks when he wasn't busy hosting Jeopardy. I don't know how much I believe. What'd you say? And on Jeopardy, he was saying those things. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I forgot about that the first night where the guy asked the question in Final Jeopardy because he didn't know the answer. We're, of course, talking about the Green Bay Packers, who for the second straight year, third straight year, didn't give Aaron Rodgers someone to directly help him. Well, I like Eric Stokes. I'm pretty high on him. Cornerback out of Georgia, the fastest corner in this draft class in terms of 40-yard dash. I like this guy going opposite Jair Alexander. You have two of the fastest corners in the league. You still have some decent safety play from Adrian Amos. Green Bay should be right back in the mix of NFC contenders if it can quell this beef with Aaron Rodgers, give him the extension he wants. But, you know, you got to walk the balancing act because you took Jordan Love in 2020. What do you do afterwards? Can we afford to just keep waiting him out if Aaron wants to keep playing? And you reach that interesting crossroads that Green Bay found itself in 10 years ago, 12 years ago now with Brett Favre. And you really do wonder, is Roger serious about wanting out or is he just using this as a leverage tactic? We won't dwell too long on Aaron Rodgers because that's a separate podcast of itself. But do you think that the team drafting the way it has the last two years is kind of sending a message to Rodgers being like, yeah, we appreciate you, Aaron, but, you know, we have to worry about life after you? I think for sure, because, I mean, that's exactly what that Jordan Love pick is, is like, you know, you're not going to be here forever. And even though you're still obviously great, he won MVP last year. We also need to think about what it's going to be like after you. Um, I don't know if it's the smartest move. I think they've been very extremely fortunate to have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back, not even like a bad year in between, like like Indy had when they they had pay in and then he, he they had the really bad year. They got luck. You know, they just went straight from Hall of Fame to Hall of Fame, Green Bay. Um, but, you know, I, it's I don't know. It, it was it was very weird. It was very hectic. And the NFL NFL offseason turned into the NBA offseason for a few hours where it was just <laughs> chaos, chaos, like out of nowhere. All of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers wanted it, wanted that of Green Bay. And then he was going to get traded to Denver and then he's not getting traded. And now the, the GM said he's, he's not going anywhere. It was very weird. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, all in all, the pick is pretty good. They they still need the defensive help. Jair Alexander couldn't do it all himself um, at cornerback. They have a lot of great pass rushers, which helps the the defenders. But adding another good corner is certainly help. Doesn't directly help, but at least at least Stokes is going to start. Like Jordan yeah. Love and AJ Dillon, they didn't start. Dillon got some got some run late in the season last year, but. Jordan Love didn't he? I don't even think he dressed last year. So at least, at least this guy's going to be a starter on this team. He'll help in some way. Hey man, if they just had one other corner on the field with some brain cells, they might have stopped that touchdown before the end of the half last year, and they might have won the <laughs> NFC title game. I, yeah, it's appropriate they fired their defensive coordinator because I, I hate chalking up losses, especially in playoff games, to a single play. But if Green Bay just doesn't let Tampa score the touchdown there to Scotty Miller. I mean, yeah, I had the Scotty Miller anytime touchdown prop, but I had Green Bay to win the game, so kind of lost on that end of it. But Green Bay's been so close now two years in a row. I just I don't know how realistic it is to expect to be able to do it a third year straight. Rodgers has been incredible in that offense. I think this is going to be one of the big storylines of this offseason is how Green Bay handles Rodgers and how Seattle, who didn't have a first-round pick tonight, which we didn't get to talk about, handles Russell Wilson, who's made his frustrations known. Moving right along, 31, Buffalo, Gregory Rousseau, someone I'm very glad the Giants didn't take at 11 or at 18. He's raw. He's a physical traits guy. He's big. He's strong. He benefited playing opposite Jalen Phillips at Miami. Buffalo got a pass rusher. They felt like they needed to improve the pass rushers because they felt like their secondary was good, but they weren't putting enough heat on quarterbacks and they were giving their guys the opposition too much time to stand around to complete passes down the field. It makes sense. He fits. They need a pass rusher. He was the best pass rusher left on their board. Maybe you could have gone with Kawusu Amora from Notre Dame or you know, it's it's subjective which guy you value more, but Rousseau's a big guy. He probably starts right away. It makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think that Buffalo in general is kind of like they're kind of in an iffy spot right now mm-hmm. because like this year, I think that they'll, pro- they'll probably win the division again this year. But it's like if their offense is as good as it was this year, again, there's no way they keep Dabble. He's gone. Is Josh yeah. Allen really bad again without him? Like how much of it is Josh Allen improving? How much of it is Dabble's offense? Because I know we've spoke about it on a podcast before, Nick, but, like, some of these plays, people are wide open. Yeah. And then it's – then my point is that it then puts more pressure on the defense, which was kind of shaky at some points last year. Like, they almost – they almost got destroyed by Seattle and obviously a little iffy call at the end of the game goes their way. They win the game. Nothing happens. But then it's like the Kansas City Chiefs, who just absolutely throw the ball and destroy everybody, is like, oh, you know what? Buffalo can kind of stop the pass a little bit, but they're terrible defending the run. We're going to run. Yeah. And then Clyde Edwards runs for like 230 yards. Yes. And it's like they definitely need defense. So, like, I feel like it's a good pick for them. But, like, they need more defense. Definitely need more defense. Even though they just spent a first round pick on defense, they need to take yeah, like they, they need, need to more defense. The trend. 
<laughs> yes, they need another corner. You could probably use another pass rusher, maybe an interior defensive lineman to complement Ed Oliver, but this makes sense for them. They've done a good job assembling their roster. They haven't gone crazy in free agency. They do have to worry about the Josh Allen extension, which isn't that far away, but flexibility-wise, roster construction-wise, I like what Buffalo's done over the last few years. They're one of the model franchises where even if you don't have the most resources to spend all the way to the cap, you do a good job of spending the money you do have and getting those mid-level guys, the Cole Beasleys of the world, some of the offensive linemen like they signed Daryl Williams, who had a really nice year for them at right tackle last year. Chris, anything you want to get in on the Bills before we hit the box and wrap up? Uh, no, not really. You guys pretty much covered it. They they could have they could have a, a Panthers-esque draft where they go all defense and it's probably pretty good, you know. Yeah, maybe they can get they can get another running back in the mid rounds to to compete with with Singletary and Zach Moss, and then maybe you know maybe take an offensive lineman. But other than that, obviously, quarterbacks solved. Wide receivers are very good, even after letting go of John Brown. You know, Stephon Diggs was incredible. Cole Breezy was an All Pro in the slot. Um, Dawson Knox is decent enough at tight end. Darrell Williams was a great find. You know, great great uh, value pickup at right tackle. The offense is is in pretty good shape. So just throw everything you can at the defense and hope hope they they can uh, you know no one's gonna stop Kansas City outside of obviously Tampa Bay which did it you know in the Super Bowl but you know you you can't expect to do that off in the Kansas City especially with the 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 offensive line moves they made so hopefully you do enough to slow them down and the offense can 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 do the rest so it's a good move like I said just throw everything you can at defense it's probably probably gonna be a, a pretty smart strategy for them. Last call, Tampa Bay takes a linebacker, which was weird to me. They took Joe Tyron, inside guy. Uh, this is a move for seeing that they're not going to be able to keep Levante David going forward. That's the obvious replacement here. They gave Shaq Barrett the long-term extension. Pierre Paul plays outside on the outside in a 3-4. He's filling a need for the future. When you've won the Super Bowl, you're bringing back all 22 starters. You're drafting for luxury here. They had no glaring needs. Maybe you want to upgrade from Donovan Smith at tackle, but you don't love anyone here. All the receivers are back. The tight ends are back. Brady brought everybody back. They want to try and go back-to-back. It's a fine pick. There's nothing you can really critique. This isn't like taking a running back. And even if you take a running back, we just won the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. We get a few-year grace period. Yeah, it, I was thinking maybe they could go wide out because similar to David probably leaving soon, Godwin's only on a franchise tag. So maybe, you know, you, the price is too high to tag him again next year. Maybe you just can't come to a long-term deal. Or he wants to go somewhere else. You know, it's certainly possible, you know, maybe they get the receiver. But again, you know, like you said, they they brought every single one of their starters from the Super Bowl back last year. So you're, there's not any glaring holes. The team was good. Yeah, Donovan Smith isn't the best. But if you don't like anybody – draft just draft who you like you know if you can't if, if you don't like anybody at offensive line and you, you can't trade down you know you, you're in it's a very good problem to have exactly exactly yeah i mean even like a bucks fans what are they gonna say oh no we brought all 22 super bowl winners back yeah <laughs> there's nothing to complain about as a Bucks. literally fan. nothing yeah. and it's like i feel like the bucks and the chiefs are both in a point for the entirety of the draft like round one to seven obviously the Chiefs didn't have a pick because of Orlando Brown but like no matter what they do like neither team has needs personally I think Kansas City should have probably tried to sign a receiver but 
I think they probably get one on day two or three of the draft. There's plenty of guys they can add to the mix. But it's like nothing either of these teams do you could critique because they're both very obviously the best team in that conference. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, and even with how terrible the offensive line is, like, do we really think that the Bucks like stopped Kansas City, or was it like their receivers just blatantly dropped touchdowns? That's part of it. Yeah. Mahomes was running for his life and was still dotting his receivers in the end zone. I'd like to do a rewatch of that game with you guys and do like a full hour and a half podcast breakdown of everything that went wrong for Kansas City because the benefit of hindsight, especially if you watch the All-22 with other people and you're pointing things out, I feel like we could do a really good episode of this with that, with us, with Boney, maybe with Sean, with all of our football friend fan friends to kind of unpack it a little bit and think about it a little bit more on a deeper level, not just the surface level of, well, yeah, the Chiefs lost because they had no pass protection we'll kind of go a little bit deeper than that we'll do that down the road this is a lot of fun this is a really entertaining draft i know you and we were all talking about it and our friends who couldn't be on the podcast because it was late too late for them they were this is a really fun draft the trades were exciting the moves were exciting and all of our teams made good moves for once on the same night so there wasn't any pompous laughing at each other there wasn't the jalen rieger to the eagles there wasn't daniel jones to the giants there wasn't um, Paxton Lynch to the Broncos, that kind of thing. There wasn't a Jerry Tillery to the Chargers. We all get to, we all get to go into tomorrow, the Friday night of the draft, with some excitement, some enthusiasm, which is really nice. The draft is one of our favorite days of the year as football fans. We all think our teams made steps in the right direction. I look forward to more draft talk next week. I'm gonna try and get PJ on and some of the other guys from Boomer Bust if they're not that busy. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. If you have the time. Highly recommend checking out Chris Schweitzer's show, The Sports Report with Chris Schweitzer. It's available on all major podcasting platforms. You you know the read I do every single time I talk before I bring my guest on for my show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, number of other podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, pretty much every podcasting platform you can find the show on, you can find Chris's show on. New York centric your typical sports show. Chris does a really nice job. As we get closer to base, the heart of baseball season, you're not going to want to miss Chris's show. Chris, Trevor, I thank you both for stopping by. I will see you guys on Monday. And we have lots and lots of football to talk about. Enjoy the weekend. 